For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. Yes, indeed. While much of the papers this morning are dominated by yesterday's budget announcements, there is a story uh, from Clare Castle in Clare making the front page of many of the red tops today where a young girl, eight years old, and her mum are both fighting for their lives following a, a horror stabbing. The star this morning calls it a war child attack. Uh, she's Ukrainian. Uh, Ukrainian mum and daughter are said to be critical. Don't know um, exactly what, what happened with regards to the mum, but the young girl, the eight-year-old, was stabbed in the neck and her mum was found unconscious. Uh, she was also unconscious after the stabbing, multiple stabbings. They're both Ukrainian refugees who fled the war, apparently. Uh, she certainly uh, uh, is fighting for her life after the stab horror. Very, very, very sad um, and shocking, actually. Don't know what the backstory to it is. We no idea in that regard. Uh, certainly a serious guard investigation going on in that one. Budget dominates many of the front papers, like the Mail this morning says it's taken the sting out of winter. They all break it down as to exactly what it means uh, to you. In fact, it's interesting that a lot of the papers online now have created these kind of online calculators where you can literally put in your age, your salary, your dependence, whether you're married or single, whether you're working or not working whether you want to work and are willing to work, that kind of stuff, and then it can tell you whether you're up or down on yesterday's budget. You probably find that if you are, it's, um, it's a paltry amount. So they break it down then into cost of living and health, education, tax, pensions, welfares, housing, agriculture. Uh, the price of, years ago, it was always the price of fags and the price of booze. That was the big money. And very little talk about that anymore because people have bigger fish to fry and bigger problems, I suppose. But you've got to wonder, just to, as a fact that I mentioned it, fags are going up by another another 50 cent. Do, do, it seems to be a 50 cent increase all of the time, doesn't it? I'm often wondering, does that encourage more people to quit, I wonder? Or are there still people, maybe you're amongst them, who would follow the packet of fags regardless of how high they go? Love to chat with you. If you're a smoker, will you continue? Uh, will you follow it to 20 euro, 25, 30, whatever it is? Text 0868104106 because this 50 now puts the cost of cigarettes to around about 15.50, they're saying. We're just Googling that this morning, actually. Kevin tells me, according to research, that the most popular brand in Ireland happens to be Marlboro, I'm told. I would have thought Johnny Blue. But anyway, that's the story on fags. I wonder, would you follow it all the way uh, to, um, you know, to the grave, I suppose, if you like? Uh, And then they break it down as to when the different payments will be made for every household. Some in October, some in November, uh, some, of course, not until next year. Certainly, if you're looking at the student contributions, you could be looking at September uh, of next year for the next student year. Uh, and they, all of the papers this morning talk about it. Not everybody's happy with it. Different sections of society, including uh, doctors and GPs. Uh, and there's a Cork GP makes the echo today saying the decision to extend the free GP care to more to more than 400,000 people in yesterday's budget will lead to more GPs closing their doors. The big change is now with the amount of people, extra people who are getting medical cards and nearly 400,000 people getting GP visit cards. So there isn't enough doctors, not enough doctor surgeries, and many of them have actually closed their lists to new patients. So I think it came as a right surprise to GPs and certainly uh, to those uh, within the Medical Council that this was going to be announced with no real backup plan. The Echo this morning talks of money in your pocket. Welcome uh, for some measures, but fears in Cork that it won't be enough. And they break that down into different sections of society, not just retail. Uh, they also look at, uh, you know, people on Lee side and they ask them their thoughts on the inside pages. Big beaming smile of Pascal O'Donoghue and Michael McGrath on the front 
of the Echo today. Um, I see also that they're talking about um, it's buried away on the inside pages of the Echo. Uh, Six million euro for Cork Airport. Oh, incidentally, 15 million for RTE and seven and a half million for TG Cahar. And the government absolutely living in Donnybrook for the last couple of days. Everywhere you turn, radio, television, they're in every single programme, more than once. And yet when you try and get Michael McGrath on the air, I was hoping to start with him this morning, um, I keep getting pushed back. I assumed this morning it was going to be quarter past 11. Now they're telling me it's half past 11. Bit of a sop for us on Lee side, don't you think? But one of the more interesting points is that buried away inside in the echo is a, a little piece that says that um, an, 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 an extra 15 million euro has been allocated in the budget to what? Have a guess. Yeah. The Cork Events Centre. Uh, Peter Horgan, the local Labour Party area rep, is saying, what's all this about? It's really shrouded in secrecy and unclear where the money's coming from. Uh, there is no transparency in the Cork Event Centre project anymore, he says. 15 million allocated in a one-line sentence. And last year they gave them 12.5 million for the convention centre. And there is nothing happening there. There is tumbleweed on the site. So that's an interesting one, isn't it? Buried in the inside pages. So as I say, they break it all down into different sections. I'll drill into it, uh, you know, as we go through the morning. But your thoughts are welcome, as always. More than anything else, text 868 104, 106. There are some other stories. It's a very interesting court case, actually, that makes the independent. You know, social media, the use of mobile phones, taking photographs, videos, TikTok, Snapchat, stuff like that. That actually got into the court because uh, the story goes that a teenage boy recorded a Garda giving evidence against him and then shared a picture of him on the social media app Snapchat. Now, this was in the Dublin Children's Court, so no names on this one. Anyway, this teenager was seven, is 17 and was facing charges of dangerous driving, driving without due care and attention, um, uh, and having a license or insurance, uh, or not having a license and insurance uh, in Tallaght when he was stopped in November and then again in June. And apparently, it's alleged in court that um, the judge warned him that he could spell, he could spend, um, he risked a spell in custody because of his Snapchat post online. Apparently, the same guy skipped an earlier court appearance and they had to put out a bench warrant for his arrest and bail hearing. This is the kind of stuff that the Gardaí uh, have to put up with. The Garda told the court that he saw himself in a photograph and that the courtroom and the clerk were visible in the background. Now, when the teen was in court, he didn't bring the phone with him, but his dad was there. The dad said, my son will delete everything from his phone, adding that it had been, he hadn't been aware that it had happened in the first place. So um, you've got to think about lack of respect in so many different ways in the world that we live in now. In fact, they also bring that up in the Red Tops today. They're saying that children, because they engage way too much now and interact with devices as opposed to human beings. And that includes Alexa and Siri. I'm sorry if I set off your Alexa at home there this morning. But they're saying that all of this and the lack of actual interaction with real people is making children rude and more antisocial. There's some justice in that, actually. You see so many people now literally just buried in their phones, not looking at what's going on around them, not chatting with people around them, not giving people the time of day and stuff like that. There are some other stories that, um, you know, might be good for your health and welfare. One is, you know, something about coffee yesterday. I was talking about two pints staving off dementia the day before. Apparently eggs are another secret food according to the mail this morning. An egg a day will keep the doctor away. So an egg in one hand, right? An apple in the other hand, 
and then trying to balance it at the same time, two pints of beer and a coffee every day. So that's the new diet. Eggs, apples, coffee and beer. You'll live forever and you'll, you'll never get dementia. And as you get older, pumping iron once a week can help you to live longer. It isn't a case that as you get a little bit older, you should give up the gym. Quite the opposite, according to the UK Times. You should be lifting weights, doing press-ups at least once a week. Any kind of strength training in old age keeps you straight anyway, if nothing else. Keeps you nimble, I suppose. And then there is another story of a chap by the name of 58-year-old John Casey from Toker. I want to give him a shout-out. He makes the examiner today, Olivia Keller, her story. Because 58-year-old John Casey from Toker uh, has become a hit on social media after he was pictured coming in eight minutes ahead of the Brazilian soccer icon Kaká at the Berlin Marathon. He came in in three hours, 30 minutes, 29 seconds. Kaká came in eight minutes later. So, I don't know where you are, John Casey. I don't know what you're eating or pumping into yourself, my man. It's probably coffee, beer, apples and eggs. But fair play to you. That's some result. The age of 58, leaving the great Brazilian in his wake. Text 0868104106. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Mentioned to you earlier in the week in conversations with Paul O'Mahony, who lives in St. Vincent's Hostel, that today, um, after being in the homeless system for almost 10 years, he is starting a hunger strike. He put a sign up on the door of his room this morning and the hunger strike has begun. He joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, what's the, what does the sign say? Um, basically, um, the sign says, are the government going to let me here today or will they, will they come up with an intervention to save my life? Okay. When did you last eat? Um, it would have been yesterday. Okay. Yesterday. And what's it going to be from this morning? Just water, is it? Just water, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, are, are the are the staff in St. Vincent's aware of what you're doing? Um, I would assume they are. Now I stuck up an order that 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 uh, orders open the door just to make just to let them aware that it's going on. Okay. Um. Will they be keeping an eye on you as days go by? The first few days will probably be okay, but if you continue for any length of time, there could be issues regarding medical intervention or, or things like that? Um, no, they, I will be watched, I, I reckon, myself, because you know, they, they're in contact with, this, with people in the city council and stuff. You know, And the city council will probably be ringing and asking, am I after eating and stuff? You know, so... But is your intention not to eat? I won't be eating. Until no. when? Until they, they come in and intervene. And that you know, intervention means getting you out of St. Vincent's and giving you somewhere decent to live? Yeah, okay. because at the end of the day, it's a disgrace. Like, it, like my child, when she grows up, she could end up in the same situation I'm in. Yeah. You know, she might be able to pay for a mortgage. Because it's gone sky high, you know, and a lot of people, you know, kids growing up in this day and age, they won't have a hope once they hit adulthood, like, you know. Um, are you doing it alone? Just myself and a 65 year old man, Neil. So a 65 year old man started with you this morning? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And for the very same reasons? Yeah, yeah. 
he's 65, 65 years of age, Neil. Um, he's been in here three years solid. You know, like 65 years of age, he should be, you know, living out the rest of his life. You told me actually the other day that there's a man in there in his early 80s. Is that correct? 82, yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's been here around three years as well. Has any of the has any of the facilities improved since we've been chatting about St. Vincent's? You know, there was issues involving the bathrooms and the showers and the sinks and the loos and things. Um, there's not. It's changed as of yet. But the, the manager inside the place is called the residence meeting. Um, all the residents inside, inside here raised the issues of the conditions of the place. The manager held her hands up and she said that the place does need work. Mm. Um, she she promised she promised all of us that work will be done. Yeah, a lot of it though, and I have to say, Paul, is down to the respect of the residents or the lack of the respect of the residents. You know, yeah, it's that way it, for a reason because of the way people treat the place. Yeah, but Neil, when when like if the conditions inside here were a lot better, you know, you might have people that they'd be happy, you know, and when people are happy, they might respect the place a bit more, you know. Yeah, but and like I I first came in these doors seven years ago, Neil, and nothing has changed. I suppose year in year out, the happiness is beaten out of you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Neil. What yeah. would be ideal for you then, Paul? Are you, are, are you a single man on your own? I'm a single man on my own, Neil. Um, I have my child. Um, you know, like it's a struggle even. You know, try, like I can't take her overnight. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. And that that's that's not fair, like you know. And this has been going on for years, seven years, Neil. Yeah. You know. It's a struggle, like, you know. They, they, I mean, they would be prioritising families, wouldn't they, Paul? And they'd be prioritising couples or single parents with children, I suppose, ahead of the likes of yourself. That's the reality would, of it. Yeah, that, that is the reality of it, Neil. And, you know, like, I, like when you look at a fella in here, and he's been here for nine years, you know, it's like it's like they're doing nothing, and, like, they're not... They're not they're not building properties they're, and they're not fixing up properties like to four single men. Yeah. There's 7,000 derelict, derelict uh, properties in Cork alone. Yeah, abandoned. Uh, and we are dealing with ab- abandoned single men at the moment in this conversation. I know other people have other issues in their own lives. Are you in a different room to the 65-year-old chap? I am, I am. Okay. I am. He, he's downstairs and I'm upstairs. Okay, okay. And, but you'll, you'll, you'll stay in touch, I guess. I mean, are you going to stay in the room or will you be going in and out? Or what's the deal there? Um, I'll be staying in the room um, when I can. Um, I'll be leaving, obviously, to use the toilet or to get water or to have a shower, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But your resolve is high. Strong. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The okay. whole way, the whole way, no way, Neil, because the government need to wake up. You know, they need to wake up, like, and look, look at the human side of this. You know, like we're human beings at the end of the day, and our souls are being destroyed. You know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is. Um, it's not. It's not fair. This is what you're driven to. I'd be yeah. very happy to stay in touch with you in the coming days, or you know, weeks, or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. Who who knows what your hunger strike might lead to? Um, 
Maybe. Hopefully, hopefully it's something big, Neil. Yeah. So. The last time I came across a hunger strike story, incidentally, was a chap who was up in the uh, direct provision centre who went on hunger strike because he was being told that he was being expelled from the country. He went on hunger strike. You might recall that. And they reversed they the do, decision yeah. and allowed him to stay. So there yeah. could be some kind of a, a happy ending in a few. Well, let's, let's see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, Neil. And, look, right. and the main thing here, out of it all, Neil, is the living conditions inside and homeless shelters and things that are uh, a lot better for the people that are in here, you know, because when you come in these doors, it's demoralising and then, you know, to live in the conditions, it's horrible. Yeah. It's demoralising enough going in, but living in those conditions then to get you down, yeah. without a doubt. It's not a happy time, yeah. not a happy time. Yeah. And unfortunately, not a happy place. We'll stay in touch, Paul, all right? All right, no bother, Neil. Mind Thanks, yourself, boy. mind Thanks. yourself. Thanks. Take care. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. In other news, I was talking earlier on this morning that traditionally years ago, the old budgets always kind of looked closely at the price of fags and the pint, and the pint hasn't been touched, but the fags have, and they say on average now it's about fifteen fifty now for 20 fags. I, I, somebody asked me this morning, how much is a box of 20 fags? And I said, I don't know, is it about 12 euro? I was way off, but apparently people will follow it and continue to follow it, and I was curious to talk to somebody who would. Johnny Bongos, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How Fif- well, I'm good, my man. 15, 15.50, is that about right now for 20 fags? Uh, no, uh, 15.50 would be for 20 cigarettes, Neil, but I smoke rollies, you know. Okay, okay, but, well... Uh, uh, they'd be about uh, two, uh, 22.50, no, Neil. 20, rollies, 22.50, yeah. and how, how long would you get out of a pack? Oh, I get I get five or six days, Neil. I'll be on a roll for five or six days. All right, so <laughs> it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't hurt you in the pocket as much as, say, 20 fags no. a day would hit someone at 15 no, euros. No, Neil, no. If it was uh, 20 fags a day, Neil, I, I wouldn't I, I'd give them up, you know. Have a Let lot of people over. switched to rollies because of the price of regular fags? Yeah, I might switch to the vape as well, Neil, you know, the vape, but the vape is very dangerous, really, like, you know, they've been hailing all that toxic stuff, you know, I know, I, I know it's a sugar street pack of cigarettes as well, like, you know, but... Well, you know, I, but, I, I, don't, I know, you know that they're, they they come with warnings, but not a half as many chemicals as there is in the stuff that you're smoking. No, 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 Neil, no, 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 but you, you, I mean, you, you get them, you get them in, in parts of Europe, for half the price, Neil, you know. And do you? You know what I mean? Oh, you would, yeah, yeah. You know, like, any time, you know, if, I, if I'm going across to, if I'm going, if I'm going across anywhere to Spain or France or anything like that, or do anything, like, you know, I'll bring, I'll bring it back with me, like, you know, but, you know. And so, have a lot of people moved to the black market? There's fellas around car characters oh, yeah. selling them oh, out of backs of cars that, and things. You, 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 get, you get a no problem, like, you know, but, like, the packages I get now, they, they come with the papers and the, and, the, and the filters and all, yeah, really, you know. Yeah, Well, I was just you know looking I mean? at it from the point of view of somebody who smokes... 20 fags a day, a box of 20 cigarettes um, every day, 20 cigarettes a day. It's costing yeah. them €5,657 a year. It's insane exactly. money, isn't it? It's insane. But some people smoke with 40 or 60 fags a day, Neil, you know? But I'm just Do trying to be I mean? kind to people. Let's say you smoke yeah. 20 cigarettes a day for 40 years. It's costing yeah. you €226,000. 
in your lifetime. Exactly, Neil. Exactly. Neil, can I ask you a big favour while I'm on the air? Yeah. Can I ask you a big favour? I'm doing a big, massive fundraiser this weekend for um, Track for Trucker, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, um, to tradition music, you know, and I raise funds for Trucker every year, you know, and uh, we're having it tomorrow night in Drummerhand in the Russell Inn, and uh, Friday night in Mallow, the um, Gallery of Barn restaurant, and Saturday night we're having it in Cody's Bar in Mallow. All right, bye. Good luck with that. And, and, Good luck with and, that. And, and, and if you're around, bring the pipes down with you, will you? If you're around, you'll call in, will you? Bring the pipes down for a bit of session, a bit of a session. Know, Neil. Neil, yeah, we, we, <laughs> you know, sorry about that, no need to have to get it in, like, you know, because... All right, Johnny, all right, and, have and a good thank, couple of days. Thank, thanks for your gifts this morning, but the post is well, well lovely, you know. I'm delighted for you. Mind yourself, Pat, uh, take care. Neil, thanks for Let me say with medical issues, actually, because I got Dr. Dermot Quinlan, who's uh, part of the, uh, he's medical director of the Irish College of General Practitioners, he's a GP down in Glanmire. We saw him before. Dermot, good morning. Good morning, Neil, and just, good morning to your listeners. Just on that point, actually, you know what the price of a box of 20 cigarettes, if you smoke up 20 cigarettes a day all your life, it's nearly, it's nearly 230,000 euro. It's an incredible amount of money, isn't it? Yeah, I, I thought it is, Neil. Um, yes. I mean, it's incredible, the amount of money. But such is the strength of the addiction to cigarettes, I suppose. But but anyway, can I just talk to you about the budget yesterday? Um, and it's been announced now that hundreds of thousands more will get free uh, GP visits. But yet, I'm constantly hearing that surgeries are full, um, doctors aren't taking on new patients. Have you guys been blindsided by this? We didn't know this was coming, coming Neil. We were totally surprised by it. Uh, we had no advance notice. So uh, we were blindsided, as you say. You know, um, it, will cause, it will cause problems. It will cause problems for patients. Um, it will be difficult to implement this. You know, we will need to engage with the Minister at the HSE to deliver it. Um, but surely the IMO were told, though. I, I suppose I can't speak for them, but certainly GPs, uh, none of my colleagues knew anything about this and that it was coming. Um, you know, I can see that it will be welcome for parents, and I, I absolutely acknowledge that. Uh, the difficulty for general practice is the numbers, like nearly half a million additional medical cards. Um, we, you know, m- about three quarters of GP practices, their lists are closed because we simply don't have the capacity to take on new patients. And this will make that much more pressured. It will mean everybody will have to wait longer to see their GPs. And that includes sick people. So people who are sick uh, and acutely ill may find it increasingly difficult to contact their GPs. And, you know, we have a severe shortage of GPs in Ireland and this is only going to make the problem worse. Okay. Are there two separate parts to this? The 400,000 people who will be able to get the free GP care, is that separate or the same as, say, for instance, the 360 extra, 360,000 extra medical cars? My, my, we haven't seen the detail of it. As I said, this, this took us completely by surprise. My understanding is it, it's in total, it's about 430 new thousand new medical cards, okay, so yeah. almost half a million. Yeah, so that would be 360,000 medical cards, GP cards, 70,000 children being brought in the age of six or seven for free doctor visits and things like that. But will, 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 will GP surgeries be forced to up their game or can you just say no? Um, I suppose most GP surgeries are working absolutely at and beyond capacity. So we simply like cannot, as you say, up our game. We are working absolutely to capacity. We've taken on a lot of additional work. You know, the uh, COVID pandemic, we, we're still carrying a lot of that burden with people with acute COVID. We're doing, we just started doing the COVID vaccinations and I encourage people to get those. We're also helping people who have long COVID. 
In addition, we've taken on a, a whole new tranche of work with chronic disease management that is, you know, proactive care of people with diabetes, heart failure, COPD, asthma, uh, and that's really welcome. That helps keep these people better and keeps people out of hospital. Uh, it's work that GP is well capable of, yeah. but it is an additional work stream. Yeah. And we, our population has increased substantially. Like we have a lot of inward migration. Thankfully, lots of people coming to work in Ireland. Um, but our population has exceeded 5 million. So that, that all impacts directly on general practice and our ability to, to deliver healthcare. And we, have a fin- we are a finite resource. In the, in the, and I want to ask you about that. How, how many doctors are needed, say, just to stand still, do you think? Is there any figure? Yeah, the there's lots of lots of uh, lots of bodies at the HSE, the Medical Council, uh, the Workforce Planning, all say about forty to fifty percent more GPs. So if you look at my practice in Landmire, where we have eight GPs and six whole time equivalents, essentially we should be looking at almost half as many doctors again. So another four. Can you the get care. them anywhere? Are they out there? No, we have a major shortage. We are working with the HSE. We have substantially increased the number of GP training places. It's up almost 70% and we anticipate increasing it further. Uh, the challenge is that when we, uh, it's a four-year specialist training program yeah, I know. for, for yeah. a GP. Yeah. So, you know, if we take in, say, 260 new trainees this year, it will be 2026 before the first of these graduates. And, and the problem, of course, is the elephant in the room here is that many of them are just emigrating, aren't they? Unfortunately, many many doctors uh, are emigrating. Um, like general practice is, is is a very attractive career. Like I love my work, Neil. It is I really enjoy it. I love working with my with my patients. They're a fantastic group of people. Uh, like most GPs, absolutely love their work. It's it's challenging. It's intellectually stimulating. You certainly feel we are doing good and helping individual patients uh, with their healthcare. So you know it is a fantastic career. A lot, of, a lot of doctors are immigrating, and like I immigrated, I went and worked in Australia, went to work in England, and then ultimately came back. So we do hope to attract lots of doctors who are maybe overseas to come back and work in Ireland. And just uh, tell me this, um, you know, just say with regards to your own practice alone in, in Glanmire, with this announcement of, you know, over 450,000 extra free patients, will you be opening your books to take in more? Our list has been largely closed for several years. I know that, so, but will you so, open it now or are you a typical GP's practice that will have to ignore this guideline in the budget? Um, I suppose we haven't, we haven't decided at our practice level how we will manage it, but it will mean a substantial additional increase in work and that will have implications for other patients. So when people ring up, they may find that actually where previously they would have got seen within a day or two, that may be pushed out to substantially longer. And that pushes people into the GP out of hours into South Dock and South Dock, I know because I was working in South Dock recently and, you know, it's, it's really busy. It's a great service for people. It's accessible. Um, but again, it is very pressured. It is the same GPs who are working by day are working in South Dock in the evenings. Burnout, burnout, yeah, um, burnout. So that burnout is something we are very conscious of. Yeah, making wrong calls, misdiagnosing. I think this could be chaotic going forward. It hasn't been thought through at all. Uh, certainly we were taken by surprise and we will need to sit down with the minister and see how we can uh, how we can work with this to uh, to deliver, to continue to deliver healthcare. You know, when we look at three quarters of GP practices simply cannot accept new patients currently. That's, uh, you know, it's a worrying sign. You know, we know in the UK, the waiting time to see your GP is two weeks or more. Um, you know, certainly the waiting times in, in general practice in Ireland will start to increase rapidly. Uh, 
Doesn't sound good. Let's see what happens. Um, but but we have like we, we have very good solutions. You know, the HSCSA and ICGP are working together to increase the number of training places. We have engaged, we've asked the minister to set up a working group on the future of general practice. And we look forward to engaging with the Department of Health and the minister around this uh, so we can actually put structure into the future of general practice and look at how we are going to continue to deliver high quality care for patients in the coming I don't know about that. Sure, the HSC is in chaos itself. You've got a million people on waiting lists trying to get into hospitals, trying to get appointments as it is. I suppose in, 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 my, in my experience, Neil, and I know that that is the, 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 the line that, that people give, but in my experience when I work with my HSE, my senior HSE colleagues, I find them an incredibly hardworking, dedicated group who will move uh, mountains to support patient care. And I know that's, that's not what a lot of people may say, and you may get people ringing in with their own personal experience, but it's been my experience that they... The, senior, the middle and senior managers that I work with are very proactive and they are certainly working with us to, to put in place um, solutions to support the delivery of care in general practice. Okay, okay. Thanks for taking the call this morning, Dermot. Appreciate it. This is one of the budget announcements this, uh, yesterday, of course, uh, that seems to caught a lot of people by surprise. There are other aspects of the budget as well that people are unhappy with and many were talking about the uh, 12 uh, euro increase in uh, in social welfare payments of different sorts, whether it's disability, whether it's unemployment, uh, whether it's a pension. And of course, I believe that that will just be gobbled up by things like uh, interest rate increases, inflation and uh, raging fuel costs. But uh, talking about uh, talking about fuel, there are some fireside chats going on around the country at the moment. And there was one in Cork this morning. Uh, at the Dean Hotel. Professor Luke O'Neill was down. He was joined by Cahill Friel, the co-founder of uh, Poolbeg Pharma. Uh, I think they were serving coffee and croissants and scones and all at 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, Professor Luke O'Neill joins me by phone. Luke, good morning. Can you hear me all right? Hang on, I, I just need to sort of... My f- there you are, Luke. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can indeed. My nice apologies. To to you again, and, and you too. Good to, good to catch up. Just just before we chat about the, the, the chat this morning, what, what do you make of what, what, what we're talking about this morning with like 450,000 extra people going into doctor surgeries and the chaos that that might cause, not just for the surgeries, but maybe for existing patients who need acute care? Is this a good idea? Well, that's a good question, in a way, isn't it? The health system seems to be under pressure the whole time, doesn't it? You know, and it's, it's always a question of resources and trying to support people in many ways, isn't it? You know, but it's a difficult one, isn't it? I'm sure you're having a good debate about it. Yeah, it's just I, I can't understand how they would announce this without maybe any yeah. kind of backup plan. But maybe that yeah, doesn't come. I as hope. A- I hope. I hope there is a plan. Let's put it that way. Okay. Mind it. Okay. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? But, what, what's the plan? What's the plan going into the winter, Luke? Because I'm hearing a lot of talk about a thing called a twin demic. Yes, well the, well, the good news is, Neil, I hope it's good news anyway, the HSC are preparing for the winter and they're expecting a surge in COVID and a surge in flu. And this is obvious in a way because they're both respiratory viruses and these things go up in the winter. We know every winter flu happens. All, all that's happened in a sense is a new virus around is COVID-19. And again, that will put pressure on our healthcare system, of course. And they are preparing for this. They, they're kind of anticipating it. They're talking about increased staffing and increased capacity to get ready for this surge that will come. But we're not going back to the old big waves, are we again? Oh, by no means. I mean, the, the, other, the other thing is very clear, Neil, is that there's a wall of immunity in our communities now, which is tremendous, you know? And that's, what, that's what's supposed to happen naturally, by the way. Your immune system evolves to protect you from infectious diseases. And we have massive immunity against COVID-19 now. And it's a combination, of course, of the tremendous uh, vaccination campaign mm. that 
deliver dividends, obviously, and a natural infection. The combination of the two really protects you, you know. Mm. So we've grounds for optimism that if there is a surge, it shouldn't cause a huge amount of severe disease breaks because of the immunity that's there. But again, just in case, they're preparing that there may be a, a big increase and that will put pressure on, on the hospital system. Yeah, in the sense that they're talking about maybe 17,000 hospitalizations this winter yeah. from this twindemic. Would that be in, in older cohorts then? Yeah, exactly. The more vulnerable ones and the unvaccinated people. There are still people out there who aren't vaccinated and, of course, they've got to be looked after as well, you know. So they're anticipating those kinds of numbers. But the fear is more flu, Neil, to be honest, because we saw in Australia and New Zealand, they've had their winter already. They had a massive flu problem, you know, and usually we follow them every every winter. You know, our our flu cases mimic what's happened in Australia. And again, that's what's fueling the, the, the slight concern that if we have a massive increase in flu, worse than other flu seasons, Combined with COVID-19, it'll be a, the, the dreaded phrase to endemic is being used. Yeah. Well, the, would those that were unvaccinated, though, not have built up an immunity as well, though, being exposed? Some, some, some of them will. But the trouble is, natural infection is very variable. You know, some have a good response and some have a weak response. The beauty of vaccines is it's consistently good, you know. And that's why the advice is to be vaccinated, you yeah. know, consistent protection from vaccines. Yeah. You can't rely on natural infection alone, basically. You, you, you are aware of long COVID. I've spoken on the air here on a number of occasions with people who are absolutely flat from it. There's yeah. a woman who can only get up for like three hours a day. She's exhausted. Headaches, yeah. nausea, dizziness, brain fog. Two years later. It's hugely important. In fact, this morning at the fireside chat, a very important questions came up on long COVID and I was very happy to speak about it. That is a big concern. Because obviously it's one in ten get it. It's quite common, you know. And of those one in ten, half are really badly affected by it, you see. And scientifically, you know, because we discovered the vaccine, We've kind of dealt with the acute part of this disease, if you like, and we can protect against the disease of the vaccines. All the research is shifting towards long COVID now because it's so common and because it's so debilitating and it's really wrecking people's lives. And, and, and you know, it's awful. So huge amount of research now into long COVID is happening. And in fact, my own lab, we've shifted now to working on long COVID because this, this is the big clinical issue but in many ways. Does it go away, problem. though, long COVID? Is it a gradual thing? Some, some people it resolves, and that's the, they're the lucky ones, but some it doesn't. And as you correctly say, there's evidence now of two years post-infection still having severe symptoms, you know? So again, that's a mystery. Why would that be? What's but, going but wrong it, in the body? All those kinds of questions. But, but, but I know that, but what's going wrong in the body? But what's going wrong in the body as a consequence of taking the vaccine, damage to lungs, damage to heart that we hear about? Is, is that an acceptable consequence in a small amount of people because of a vaccine well, rollout? The vaccines aren't causing long COVID. It's the virus. You see, that's very clear now. So there's, no, there's very limited evidence that the vaccines would have any effect on long COVID. It's the natural infection is the problem, because the virus, the live virus, gets into your lungs. Remember, the vaccine isn't the live virus. It's a piece of the virus. But the live virus infiltrates the lungs, infiltrates the brain, and causes these um, this damage, if you like, that persists, you know. So it's not to do with the vaccine. Oh, I know. I mean, you're the professor. I'm not. But I have spoken to people on air who are absolutely fine until they took the vaccine. They never got COVID, but they did get the vaccine. That, that's the point I mean. Yeah, that's, that's mercifully extremely rare. You know, every treatment will have a consequence of some kind of a small percent of people, you know. So... So listen, yeah. under pressure. Listen, uh, um, I'm getting interrupted here. Neil, sorry. <laughs> Can you stay or do you have to go? 
I think I have to go. <laughs> God knows what's going on there. All right, well, yeah. listen, nice to catch up, short and yeah. all as it was. Look after yourself. Take care. Nice to catch up, Neil. Cheers, yeah. Professor Luke O'Neill. Text 0868 on that. Again, they're talking about a twindemic coming in the winter. Not so sure he's all that concerned about uh, COVID uh, across the winter. More seems to be the flu or indeed the months when flu will peak as well as a return in the winter months of COVID-19. Because as you know, COVID is always going to be there now. It's with us and we'll be there. It'll be seasonal like a lot of other bugs that knock around in wintertime. Text 0868 104 106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, come back to budget-related issues. Sorry about that. I don't know what happened there. I heard some argy-bargy in the background and Luke O'Neill had to go. Maybe he's got another commitment. Uh, there's a very sad story, actually, uh, that we heard about yesterday and got in touch with the Garda Shikana. It's brought to our attention that that um, a, a, a farmhouse done in, in and around the Killa area uh, was searched last week and uh, the remains of what has been treated as an infant were removed. Uh, and the remains of the infant were removed and sent to Dublin for analysis. Now, it's believed, or at least I'm told, that the remains of the infant could have been there for uh, approximately 20 years or perhaps more. I know it, it's, it's even upsetting even talking about it. Um, no, I'm not giving any details exactly where and like that for, for obviously personal reasons. Um, but uh, we were very curious as to, whoa, what's, what's that one about? So we contacted Garda Press and they confirmed that Garda are investigating all of the circumstances surrounding the discovery of the skeletal mora- uh, remains in Killa, County Cork. The remains were removed to Cork City Morgue and the assistant, and they have the assistance of the forensic anthropologist has been sought. Uh, a post-mortem is scheduled to take place, the results of which will will direct the course of the investigation. Uh, so that's the response we got back from Garda Press regarding what we were told was the remains of uh, an infant uh, who died. I don't know where, whether it was, you know, in, in the house or what, well, I don't anything about that. But certainly the remains were there for at least 20 years, perhaps longer. And that's from East Cork. Uh, with regards to the budget, do keep your texts coming. I will be talking to Michael McGrath. Don't get me wrong. And I'll be talking to Simon Coveney um, on, on Friday. I think <laughs> they've set aside 10 minutes for Simon Coveney on Friday morning. Uh, I'm so obliged to them. Um, but there are a lot of different texts and emails with regards to uh, the world that we live in now, and I want to drill through those uh, in the next hour or two and lots of other business besides. But to the phone lines we go, just uh, this side of, of 10 o'clock. Tony, good morning. Morning, um, One of the issues there that was kind of buried away inside in it, um, just as a by the way, was the Cork Event Centre, the Conference Centre, the Concert Centre, where nothing seems to be happening. Um, and they've just given them 12.5 million that's um, uh, that's what they got in the budget last year. They're getting another fifteen million now. So in the last two years, that's at least twenty-seven point five million, and that I don't believe that includes what Cork City Council are giving them as well. So there could be forty or fifty million of taxpayers' money going into this white elephant. Yes, there's not a crane, there's not a scaffolding pole. There's absolutely nothing. When did they all come down and turn the sod into Kenny, uh, Simon Cove? Was that 2017? I think so. It was February anyway, because I remember going in and Tokyo Street was actually closed off. You couldn't walk down Tokyo Street. He turned the sod and the capital uh, development the same day. The capital development was open. What the heck, man? What's going on? Michael McGrath and Pascal Dunn, who got a standing ovation yesterday for a budget, it took approximately a minute and a half from their own cronies up in Dalian. They're an absolute disgrace. Honest to God. Yeah. I, 
I'm so mad. How about going on in the country at the moment? Yeah, yeah. I thought one of the, I thought one of the more interesting claps during Pascal Donoghue's uh, speech went when he said that he was getting rid of VAT on newspapers. A very touchy yes. feely about the media. Did you pick up on that at all? I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. 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 When I heard in the he got another bundle of money. RT got another 15 million and TG Cahar yes. got 7.4 million. Yes. They love to keep the cosy relationships going, don't they? Yes, we're down, we're down in Cork. And like, I, I had to go back on the same thing. We can't fly between Cork and Dublin. If they give us 10 million, we'd be up and running in the morning. Cork to Dublin and Cork to Belfast. Yeah. They can throw money around at every project in the country and get Cork. Yeah. yeah. Cork, you should, yeah. you should be talking to the likes of Pat Phelan, you know. Try and get some like, seed, seed cattle together. Mike get McGrath, get investors who, on it. Mike McGrath, who's a very good guy or was a very good guy. He's lost his identity when he was in opposition. He was a brilliant, brilliant politician. I think since he's gone in with the Green Party and gone in with Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil has totally lost her identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I genuinely think they're not... Look, I, I don't want to be name-calling, but there are there's certain ministers up there in, in the doll today that should hold their heads in shame to say they're hot people. Who? Michal Martin or Taoiseach. He's Michael a, McGrath. He's a teacher. Yeah. And they're the three seniors, yeah. Yes, Michael McGrath, Michael, sorry, Michael Martin would say that he's a Taoiseach for all Ireland, not a Taoiseach for Cork. Well, look, you all know, we all know if, if there's, look, the children's hospital is in Dublin when Andy Kenny was a Taoiseach, what may I ask? Look, we all, we, all, we, look, we all know what goes on. There's certain things going in their own patch. Yeah. And anybody that is a look, Shane Ross. Like like, you, you be, I suppose you believe that Simon Coveney, Michael McGrath, and Michal Martin, as senior ministers, okay, that's fine, they're senior ministers, but they should have a kind of a Michael Healy Ray view of politics yes. that local counts yes. first. Yes. Yeah. Shane Ross proved it when he got step aside, guard station reopened after being closed by Ellen Shatter because he was the Minister for Transport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you'll get certain things done in your own patch for your own people. First. Like, like Neil, I'll just go back on the last election. Simon Coveney didn't reach the quota. He got in on the fifth seat. I don't he think Michal, Mike, Michal Martin did either, did he? He didn't. He he, he got in on the, the second or third. Don Galeri topped the poll. Yeah. But, like, they forget where they came from, to be quite honest. If, if we if we the Healy raise in Cork, we'd, we'd probably have a much better... But you see, maybe Simon Coveney, maybe Michael McGrath and Michal Martin are all of one hand on the emergency exit. They know they're not going to be re-elected if they, if they, if they came so close to not being re-elected last time. But, but, but wouldn't you think they'd make a statement for Cockton before they go? I know. Okay. Listen, I'm under pressure here, but appreciate the update, Tony. I want to just have a quick word with Peter Horgan of the Labour Party because he's the one that flagged this uh, extra money for the convention centre. Peter, good morning. Morning, Neil. How okay, you? you're saying that it's shrouded in secrecy. Can you can you add up the money actually that's been set aside, taxpayers' money ultimately? What is the total? Do you know? So, in the line yesterday in the budget, there was uh, just one line uh, uh, from the expenditure allocation that 15 million was being allocated to the event centre, uh, Cork. Yeah. So last year, 12.5 million was allocated to the event centre in the budget for Cork. What we don't have sight on is, was that money drawn down? Where stands the 12.5 million from last year? Where stands the numerous millions of money that's been put into the event centre since 2014? But how much other money have we invested in it besides the 15 million this year and the 12.5 last year? There's no, I don't have a sight on the amount of money that has been drawn down. The budget money, the budget money, is that separate to the money that Cork City Council are pumping into it? 
Yes, as I understand it, yes. And that's the problem. The problem is that... That could be another 25 million then on top of that, right? But if you're asking this question, that in my view is a problem because this is public money that we should have full transparency and oversight on, but we don't. And where are BAM with regards to actually building the damn thing? I have no... Literally, Neil, I have no idea. I put in freedom of information requests to the department, to city council over the last number of years, and numerous times it's either a vague answer or a, a refusal of the request because there isn't a, a document there requesting it. So there is minutes kept of meetings. Uh, as I understand the minutes are not being kept of meetings uh, when they're held between the local authority and the department. Um, or if they are, they're very, very vague meetings. The last talk I heard about it was contracts being signed and those contracts would involve, I guess, Cork City Council, probably BAM and Live Nation. But how long does it take to sign damn contracts? And the length of time between those contracts being signed for the event centre and now there has been an explosion in the cost of building materials. Uh, And as we see now from the budget yesterday, there's going to be a 10% levy on concrete. So I imagine that's going to add even, even further costs to the event centre. Yeah, and Bam, this- Bam aren't slow to, re, to, uh, uh, to renegotiate uh, deals with regards to building costs, as you know. The government came out a few months ago and said that the public projects under the cost of, uh, of the building increases would be covered up to about 70% or so by the government and that contractors would then have to find the other 30%. But when we're now seeing, what we see with the Glanwire flood relief um, Delays is is the is the result of the cost increase of building materials. Okay, the, okay. the council right. couldn't couldn't fund that. So if they couldn't fund the Glanmire flood relief, which is a vital element, which my colleague John, Council, I, I, I appreciate that, but years. that's but, you know that's you know, that's not my that's conversation the, this morning. My conversation is yeah, at least is building, fi- at least five years on, it's still sitting there with money oh, being yeah. pumped into it and nothing happening. In fact, exactly, you, you got you got to wonder whether they still have the same appetite to proceed. Well, there has, I understand that there has been numerous conversations between senior ministers and local authority and uh, BAM and Life Nation. Do we have sight of what happened in those meetings? No. And bizarre. that's a problem. Okay, bizarre. All right, thanks for that. Appreciate the update. Little and all as it is, because we're still very much in the dark. Peter Horgan of the Labour Party. Text 0868 Back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Something to look forward to, I suppose. Get a lovely letter in the post from Paddy O'Brien, who advocates for the elderly, a regular contributor to this radio programme. He says, I'd be very grateful if you could please thank Tony Highland uh, on the Lower Road. Tony Highland Alarms and Security Systems on the Lower Road. Uh, Tony's company is for is always forever available to elderly people um, if they're brought to their attention by Paddy O'Brien to fill alarm systems. Tony Highland fitted an alarm in the house of an elderly man in Mayfield. The man is in his 80s, living alone, was always very nervous uh, that his house would be broken into. Uh, Tony Highland fitted an alarm system, his company did, and Paddy says, I spoke to the man at the weekend and he's so happy with the new alarm system. He told me he has peace of mind for the first time in a long time and he feels as if there was someone in the house with him now since he got the alarm in. Uh, Paddy says, Tony uh, Highland is so generous to the elderly. Slonga Falls says, Paddy, fair play, Paddy. It's always great to get those updates and, and thank you for them. Uh, 
lot of emails and texts with regards to the budget. Many people having their uh, tuppence worth. It's a joke for working people. All these tax credits are a joke. And I guess we'll have to apply and they'll be hard to get. Can't believe you didn't question Mick Barry when he said he was getting a taxi to Dublin. What the hell? Well, he wasn't getting a taxi to Dublin. He was getting a taxi from Dublin train station to the Dáil. Um, couldn't he take the bus or the train? He did take the train. He did. Uh, free books for school again. Um, 600 for electricity. It's not the government because it won't be 600 because the government would take the VAT. And of course, more hikes to petrol and diesel coming. Just watch the price of the pumps increase again in the coming weeks, says Keith. Really? Um, honestly, I don't believe that Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael have a clue as to what's going on for the average person in Ireland and they don't care either. Bear in mind, most of what they're bringing in won't take effect until 2023 and will be in a much worse position by then. Uh, some enterprising journalist who's not afraid to step out of line might want to ask um, government ministers how many increases to their salaries they've had in the last two years to 30 months and what's the total of it. Pay restoration only is, seems to apply to certain folk because it doesn't apply to the most vulnerable in society. People who didn't receive any increased payments for at least two years. Um, no pay restoration deals for them. Come on, guys, do your jobs as journalists. It might feel nice uh, reclaiming some of that long-abandoned journalistic integrity. What's the €12 Euro begrudgingly announced going to be worth in January when people who desperately need it actually get it. They claim that capping energy prices could cost a fortune, but they're more than willing to throw 600 euro plus at the two previous hundreds of euros at people who earn hundreds of thousands and don't need it. Yeah, that's a very good point that you make. Uh, Many people are suggesting that not everybody should be entitled to the fuel refunds, if you like, the 600 euro, uh, and that it should be means tested. Jim says it's a helicopter budget, money being thrown at items they won't control, like ESB, gas, oil, rent, while they put 10% levies on blocks and concrete. Um, it's interesting. Uh, do, they, do they deem concrete, I suppose, to be a luxury item, says Jim? I suppose it's where it should be, because owning a home is now a luxury for most Irish people. There was good things in the budget, and that was the €500 Euro rent relief, at least as to start. Um, uh, yeah, 500 euro rent relief when you break it down over a 12 month period is pittance and peanuts though. So a lot of other texts and emails like that, which I'll come back to, but I just want to get back to the phone lines if you don't mind. Another topic that we were dealing with recently was one of the aspects involving VAT free tourism in the UK. And I was telling you that for people who might be looking for um, uh, a laptop or a mobile phone or a designer handbag or anything like that, particularly tech gear, Uh, You can't go north of the border for it because it doesn't apply there. But in the UK, as in England, Scotland and Wales, it might be an idea to be taken in a a weekend break uh, in in London or Manchester or Liverpool or Edinburgh and getting your mobile phones or your tech or your designer gear or handbags over there because you get the VAT back on them. Uh, Pat Dawson is with the Irish Travel Agents Association, joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I, just, I was just curious the other day, and I asked the lads to give you a ring. Um, w- would this be a reason for people wanting to shop more in the UK, do you think? 
I don't think so, Neil. I mean, first of all, as, as you know, I mean, we prefer people to spend their money in Ireland than in Cork City or County or whatever else. But, uh, you know, I mean, you have to take in consideration now we're looking at the winter months and you have to look at airfares and you have to look at, you know, the capacity out of Cork is it, pretty good. We need more competition to keep the prices down and also prices of hotels. So you have to look at all in an overall situation. But, I mean, uh, you know, as I said well, before... Well, i tell you what, if I was getting a new iPhone 14 or 15 or whatever, they are now and I could save in and around 300 euro and get a weekend break to the value of it I wouldn't turn my nose up at well, that yeah if that saving is is there and, and that's a big saving now I, I wouldn't be qualified to tell you no, prices of those sort of objects but having said all of that uh, you know I, I, I think people uh, people travelling abroad I think they, they really go to the states uh, you, they used to go to the states and you have the, the strength of the dollar now uh, as well happening. So from that point of view, I, I think uh, to, to go far away for uh, weekend breaks rather than skip over to London. Uh, and of course, know. my gang went to Edinburgh there recently. Had a fantastic weekend. They absolutely loved it. So I mean, yeah, but I, I didn't. They probably didn't go shopping. They probably went to, to, to see the beautiful sites, city of yeah, Edinburgh, yeah, so, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sightseeing and so, stuff like that. Uh, so I, I would imagine certainly, you know, if, if the fares are good and, and the accommodation on the ground is, is good, well, certainly they, they'll go over. And of course, we have many, many of our relatives and friends are over there, and uh, they might go over just to visit them and 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 do the odd bit of shopping. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a, a, a big market towards uh, winter. No, but I just have. thought that VAT-free tourist shopping in Ireland would be a good way. If they think it's a good idea, I thought maybe we should be looking at something like that. Bring more people in, tourists with money to spend locally, you know? Yeah, I, I, of course. But again, you know, we we we've, we collect VAT to, to pay for the cost of running the country and that. So, I mean, we can't have a free-for-all country where, where we don't have to pay for anything. Yeah. Such. So yeah. from that point of view, uh, I, I mean, it, it's great to get the tourists inbound. And, and, and I would hope that, you know, uh, the hotels and accommodations and staying in Cork or Ireland or whatever it is, uh, it w- would be good value. And uh, and we we have to... I'm not seeing a pattern. I've seen the value overseas. I'm getting a lot of people giving me uh, screen grabs of a week in Greece or a week in Spain yep. or uh, they're getting unbelievable value. A lot of the time it's full board for the cost of what you spend in an Irish hotel for a weekend. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, and I, I, I know I, I have some family abroad at the moment that are in uh, all-inclusive hotels where everything is there, all your food and drink and everything is there. So you know what you're going to spend. Uh, I mean, the big amount of money is what you spend on the ground over there, yeah. eating out or whatever it is. Uh, and you have you can say because people are are, are tight with money, as you know, they, they don't they're not flahoo looking these tough times yeah. with all the different things we've heard in the budget and everything else. So you know if you know what you're going to spend on the ground for the weekend or for, for the week and, and certainly as you say I'm not surprised that your listeners are talking about the value abroad because certainly it, it, it's uh, a lot cheaper on the ground uh, in ma- many places Spain's or Portugal's or the Canaries than it is in Ireland Yeah and that's good news for your members of course who want people to travel overseas You heard the news at Cork Airport the biggest ever winter schedule 27 European cities and a lot of sun destinations announced. That's good news, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was there. I was there for, uh, for the launch uh, um, with Cork Airport people, and, and, and Ryanair uh, were represented there as well. And Ryanair now will dominate uh, Cork Airport. Uh, I think they're, as you said, uh, I think Ryanair would would control about. 
uh, uh, 80% of the routes is controlled by Ryanair uh, out of Cork Airport and, and they're expanding throughout Ireland. Uh, Aer Lingus, uh, by all accounts, looks like they don't have the aircraft uh, in Cork or in Shannon, which is an awful shame. Uh, they seem to be very much drawn to, to, to Dublin. To Dublin, unfortunately. What have they yeah, got? They got it twice weekly to Lanzarote, I think, and then they got Amsterdam and Heathrow, is it? Whereas, yeah, I yeah. think so. And I, 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 I think I, I, I saw, I think I'm trying to remember from the actual evening that uh, I, I don't think they're even flying from Cork Malaga, which is a big route in the winter times for Sun Golf or whatever it is. So uh, I certainly were very much dependent on the one airline uh, out of out of uh, out of Cork and and out of Shannon. Yeah. Do you think way back in the day, I know I'm revisiting history, but I know Ryanair wanted the old terminal way back. Would that have made a huge difference? Made it a massive Ryanair hub, do you think? Or was that pie in the sky at the time? Well, I don't think I don't think so. And one has to be careful. Ryanair, I mean, have brought many, many great things to Ireland. But you have to be careful that the airlines are not running the airports. And but what, you would really so, be what would be so wrong with that? Well, I mean, they can control the prices and, and, and everything else. And you have to be very, very careful. I don't think I've I heard this notion about, about the, the old terminal. But the, the problem with that, the logistics of that would be is that, you know, you have to have uh, security there. You have to have all sorts of, would be duplicated. And then you have, you know, the shops in, 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 in one, one terminal. Who, who, which terminal will they go into? You have one maybe full and the other empty. So it's not a, a simple thing. It seems to be a populist thing, all right. But which have to look at the pound shillings and pence and, and, and see where the Cork airport ends up and make sure that the airport is healthy rather than but the But they airline. put 2.1 million passengers through it. Uh, by, at least they will by the end of this year and they expect a lot more next year. So, you know, it seems as if they're thriving. It's a pity they can't open oh, they the cafes oh, and absolutely. the restaurants so that people can get food oh, yeah. and a bit of, bit of something to drink. Uh, absolutely, uh, yeah. But I, I would like to see more competition there and I've noticed, uh, you know, in the summer months, no matter what airline it is and what airport you have, you need competition competition on the route. And if you have only one airline flying to Seville or flying to wherever else, you'll get screwed on the price. Yeah. So we need competition big time uh, because otherwise, let me tell you, I mean, I, I'm away at a conference next week and I, I've changed my flight to get home for something else. And it, it's cost me 375 euros one way to get back to Cork. So that's the problem you see when you're reliant yep. on one airline, isn't it? Yes, that is the problem, and, and we certainly, and I know the airport are working flat out uh, to get other airlines, and certainly I would I'd love to see different airlines, European airlines, but it's hard to get them because they're after the big numbers like uh, like Dublin, but look at, they'll work hard, we'll work hard with them, and, and hopefully we'll get, uh, you know, that extra choice for, for the people in the Munster region. Okay, my man, stay in touch, nice catching up with you, Pat Dawson of the ITAA, uh, text 0868 Sharon, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, Good morning. Here we have somebody who was happy with yesterday's budget, is it? Happy, yes, yes. In what way? Yes. Like, what, how will you be better off? Um, well, the ASB and the gas will be very helpful. And um, the three 200 euro um, credits. Yeah, I'll yeah. just turn on the radio now. Yeah, okay. Anyway, you, um, let, I won't keep you long. You say it was good for you yesterday, but then you went into the city, was it? No, I was actually at work. I work in the evenings uh, part-time. Okay. I work in Abercourt House in George's Key. Right. Um, so I work there in half four to half seven, every evening, Monday to Friday. What did you say? So I, wa- um, I was walking home. I took over to another footbridge by Electro Picnic. Yeah. I walked that way and I go down as Glunkin Street. Um, and uh, went up, I went up the street by the GPO. 
and across Brown Thomas and over the door to them bus. So there was a man sitting in a wheelchair. Um, obviously, he's in the hospital all the time because he had a hospital blanket at the back of his wheelchair. He had no shoes on his feet because they were very, very swollen. His feet were very sort of swollen, like as in no shoes would fit on his feet. Um, he had a pajamas pants, just a jumper. It started really raining heavy. This was about 20 to 7 yesterday evening. And it started raining very It started to hammer with rain, yeah. Around 20 to 7 yeah, yesterday evening. So I, I had to stop. I couldn't walk past him. No way. I couldn't. I felt physically sick. So I was asking him, was he okay? And he was like, I'm grand, I'm grand. And I said, will you get you a cup of tea or a sandwich or whatever? So I we went into the, he was sitting in the corner, they were next to Brown Thomas. No, there's a kind of a shop next to that, like a gala shop. Yeah. So I we went in and got him a cup of coffee and a sandwich in there. So I went up and, oh, but he said, no, bring that sandwich to the Simon. He said, bring that sandwich to the Simon. And I said, but don't you have it? No one eat it. No, he said, it's very cold. I said, it's raining. I had actually a rain jacket on me, my hood up. And I was actually dripping down with wet. Now, I'm not well myself. I haven't got COVID, thank God, but I've touched the flu. Right. And so he, we, 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 I opened the sandwich for him. He was eating half the sandwich and drinking some of the coffee. Yeah. Now, he had a bottle of wine down the side of his wheelchair. Yeah. Now, I reckon this man obviously is known to the hospital because the hospital blanket and he'd all bandages on his legs yeah. and whatever. You, how, how old is this man? But I'd say about give and take. A young man, I'd say, late 40s, okay. not even 50. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, where are you living? He said, I'm homeless. In the wheelchair, you... homeless in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. And I was like looking and there was every different nationality passing out. I'm not, I'm not racist. You can see I'm working at Abercourt House. You can see every different nationality coming in there, claiming everything. But Claiming everything said, that they're entitled to, I suppose, to claim. Well, from different countries, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're actually after getting busier in there now since the Ukraine starts coming into the country and stuff like that. It's yeah. very busy in Abercourt House. Right, so the, the Ukrainian refugees are coming in about their PPS number, or about their welfare payments and, and things like that, is it? Everything, yeah. Yeah, everything. So, But, but, but again, as I say, a lot, of the, a lot of the people who aren't Irish who are coming in could be from other European countries, for instance, part of the EU and things like that? There's every different nationality, to be honest with you. Right. Every different nationality. Yeah. Yeah, No, I mean, I I was in the post office yesterday on Oliver Plunkett Street in the GPO and I was surrounded by languages from all over the world. Mm. I guess that's just the world that we live in now where where people move about. Um, It is. You know, but I'd hate to to say, I'd hate to think that you were saying that I'd hate to believe that people were trying it on. No, no, they're coming into the country and they know what they can get and they know where to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But this poor misfortune is in a wheelchair, clearly with an alcohol problem. Who wouldn't mm-hmm. if you were living on the streets in the wheelchair? God only yes. knows. We'd all be like yeah. it, I'd say. Um, and where's he sleep at night, did he say? Like, he couldn't, re- he kind of was, his, he was moving his head, he kind of had a twist in his head, you know, he couldn't stop moving his head, he was shaking. Now his feet were purple. Now I think this man obviously is known to the homeless people, maybe the Simon community, yeah. or maybe the Three Angels. Or did he say whatever. where he was going to stay overnight last night, or where he'd stay in the winter time? I asked him. I said, "Where do you stay?" He said, "I'm homeless." 
But he kept saying, bring the sandwich to the Simon yeah. that we bought him in the shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I said, well, don't you, we opened it. And, no, and he, he started eating it, thank God. But I was more concerned about the man himself. Now, as I say, he was obviously known to the hospital people because he'd have been on the blue blanket. But until you stopped and some other lady stopped as well, a Hungarian national actually stopped with you. Everybody, Hungarian, yeah. Everybody else was just walking past. Walking past with the rain pouring down and just looking at them and turning their heads, which I couldn't. I was physically sick. Oh. But I suppose you had to leave him at some stage, Sharon. I did. Um, I was actually left to go home early myself from work because I wasn't feeling well. So my boss actually told me to leave around 20 past six, where I usually finish at quarter to seven. Yeah. But I had my work done, so my boss knew what I was coughing, I was sneezing. Yeah. So he said, Sharon, your work is done, go home. But I stayed with that man for about 40 minutes. Yeah, you must have been sad having to leave him in the situation he was in. I was actually, yeah, I, I, I actually wasn't, I, I was physically sick when I came home last and, week. And is it, is it about, you know, that story that makes you angry about the country we live in and budgets and money and facilities yeah. and uh, resources not being given? Yeah, yeah. exactly. I understand. Yeah, 100%. I understand. If it was yourself, you'd be the same. I know. Do you know? Yeah. And there's, three tents on, there's three tents on Morrison's Quay, incidentally. The tents never went I away. I actually passed them as well. You see them? the back of the passport office. That's it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I walk that way as well. Sometimes I take that route. Three tents, one next to the, the other. I footbridge by the back of um, College of Commerce. That's exactly where it is, the side of the exactly, college, the old yeah. Moors Hotel I, there, you know. Yeah, I take that that walk. Sometimes I take the footbridge. Sad, and I go up that back way by the, ba- the passport office. There's three tents there as well. Yeah. And they're actually Irish living in there as well, in the yeah. tents. I know, I know. I didn't know they're, that. They're not, they're not foreign nationals like they're Irish. I see them every evening if I go that way. Well, listen, at least you stopped, got them a hot drink and a, and a sandwich. Um, but I'd like to know, like, even if the same community might come in and ring on the, after this call, he's obviously known to the same community. Well, I actually am due to talk right now this second to Paul Sheehan from Cork, Simon. So I'll, I'll just bring up that topic with him, if you don't mind. I'll move on, Sharon. But thank you so much for taking my call. No problem, Neil. Thanks okay, very much. Okay. I know that Paul didn't expect this, but I, I suppose he's hearing many of these stories on a daily and a weekly basis. Paul, good morning. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. It is, Neil. Yeah. And just... To thank Sharon for her act of kindness for her intervention. Yeah, well yeah. said. Yeah, well it's said. What make Cork such a great place, really? Yeah. Would he? Would he literally stay the night in a wheelchair down the laneway or something, or would he be able to come over to you guys or what? Look, Neil, you know, I, I can't say that much. We are aware. We're working with um, yeah. a lot of other people in the city, and uh, I think we'll be able to. Um, yeah. sort something out for him in the, I know, the I know, I know Are you winning the war, Paul, though, I wonder in the days we live in now? Oh <sighs> Not really Neil would be the short answer, I think and What would make it easier um, for you? Housing Housing There's, you know, the, uh, like the housing system's in a mess, Neil There's a chronic shortage of housing a chronic shortage of affordable housing and, um, you know, there are far too many people just on the brink of homelessness um, you know, we've seen a, a 20% increase alone in the number of people depending on emergency accommodation in the last 12 months here in Cork. Mm. Mm. Um, and for the most part, it's people who can't afford to put a roof over their head. Yeah, I know. I started this morning with a young man in St. Vincent's who's gone on hunger strike, himself and a, and a 65-year-old single man. But but you are right, it goes from bad to worse. What will, You know, all this property, this vacant property thing that they were talking about yesterday... Um, I mean, how many properties are we talking about that are vacant and unoccupied, I wonder? Tens of thousands? Well, the CSO um, put a figure of 166,000 across the state. 
and now that doesn't include holiday homes and whatnot. Um, now a lot of those housing, a lot of that housing will God. be, you know, unavailable because of you know issues over wills and whatnot. But like we were suggesting pre-budget that even if five thousand of them were brought back into use for social and affordable housing it would make a significant impact. But the revenue now will be coming after them, won't they? If there, there is going to be a fine, I think it's Mickey Mouse, the fine, but it's a start, isn't it? If, the, if that house is unoccupied for more than 30 days of a year, you're going to have yeah. to pay, isn't that right? Pay three times what would be due under the local property tax. Okay. So it might be an incentive for some of those homeowners to, to get them back into use, either sell them or rent them and, and make them available. Um, but, you know, anything, anything that increases the supply of housing at the moment, Neil, is to be welcome. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, how much of an impact it will have is very difficult to say right now. And, of course, there's going to be a time lag. It does represent a really fundamental shift in the government's approach to, to housing, particularly the vacant housing across the state. And it's an acknowledgement that there is a pool, in, a pool of housing there that can be brought back into use. But like if we had done this three or four years ago, we, I think we'd be in a much better position now. But that figure, did you say 165,000? 166,000. 166,000. You've got to ask yourself the question. No two stories are the same, I know. But why are they unoccupied long term? You know? That's, that's an unknown, Neil. I don't know. Like it, clearly, a lot of them are in an awful state of repair, no doubt. And so it would be difficult and expensive, perhaps, to bring them back into use straight away. Yeah. Some, I'm sure, will be tied up in, in legal difficulties over ownership and, and inheritance and whatnot. But, you know, 5,000 of those isn't a huge percentage. Um, and, you know, 5,000 of those have to be close enough to being in a state of good repair to bring either into the, the rental market yes. or to sell. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a use it or lose it tax, isn't it? Paltry and all it, as it is. It is, yeah. But, I mean, it is a good start, and it's a good starting point. Yeah, okay, all right. Um, listen, I'll, I'll catch up with you again in the future, undoubtedly, but thanks for taking the call for now, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. Paul Sheehan with the uh, Cork Simon Community. Text 0868104106. I joined the Army in 1998. It was brilliant, and I loved it. Uh, I won't bore you with the bullying and abuse 24-7. I'll keep that for another day. It's interesting. I went overseas to defend and protect my country, not once, not twice, but seven times. I've been in Port Leach Prison doing security loads of times. Shannon Airport security. 50, maybe 60 times. Uh, so I left my young kids, my wife, uh, for weeks and months and months at a time at the drop of a hat for 22 years. While always telling my wife when I retire, I'll have a pension and I can finally take my son and daughter to school and collect them because I missed all of that with my older three kids. So I did the 22 years, got out and the pension came. €1,289 a month. We were delighted. My wife at last could go and get her dream job while I was around. But no, it's taxed. And they tax me every month €367 every month. So I paid tax for 22 years to get to this and now I'm paying tax again on it. It's heartbreaking for us. I left the army. I got a dream job, the fire service in Yall. I'm in there over three years, uh, but it isn't as good. Uh, I've taken dead bodies from accidents dead bodies from house fires, car fires, you name it, I've seen it, and worse. But would you believe it, if we get more than 10 calls a month, the government nail us again and tax the life out of our money. You wouldn't believe what we go through and what we see uh, to make 500, maybe 600 euro every two weeks. And all of it whiled away on tax. 
I wish you could ask a minister, why do people who work and give back 100% of the communities get absolutely put over a barrel and taxed to the hilt? This has just broken me. I'm a very, very strong person. And the truth of this is now I'm looking at leaving the fire service and my wife is going to leave her dream job too. And we're going to start claiming now everything. And if we do, you won't believe this. We will be better off. Medical cards, social housing, welfare payments and all of the extras. But what these big boys and girls are missing is we want to work, but we want to get rewarded for it, not constantly punished. And that by email from Joe Butler. And thank you for it. You can always email neil at redfm.ie. Again, it's those that want to and choose to work, but of course aren't rewarded for it. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Anne, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Just one thing, Amy, yes. hold on there. I'll talk to you in a few minutes. And you're a foster carer. Yes, I am. Okay. okay. And we have been ignored by this government since 2009. Our increase hasn't, we haven't had an increase in 13 years. So can you imagine what it cost to live in 2009 and compare that in 2022? Okay. How has it got uh, more expensive for you? Cost of living. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know the answers, but I just want you to talk me through it. Okay. Um, there were very, a lot of foster carers are leaving. So us in Cork, we might not get a child from Cork. We might get a child from Waterford or Limerick or whatever. We have to take that child for access weekly, maybe sometimes twice weekly. We have to back to their original county. We have to do hospital visits to out-of-county places. Yeah. Um, the cost for this is huge. We're not allowed work because we have to take the children to access. We have to take them to these these appointments. Um, so we don't get a pension. We're unemployed. We get an allowance for the child. Yes. What is but that? Do you mind me asking? Is it, is, it, is, it a, is it the same allowance for everybody? What, what, so what is it? No, there, there is a two-tier. Um, Tusla, which is an awful lot of foster carers, they get €325 Euros a week for under 12. That's 18,000 a year. You put that child into residential care and it costs 312,000. There's As, a small difference there. That's a big difference, and one can understand the attraction of people being foster parents, particularly well, from their point of view. Look at the benefit for the child to be in a home, benefit a family home. Benefit for the state home. and costs as well. So 355 a week. Is that tax? No, it's not taxed. Okay, no, okay. because we're not we're we're not getting the money. It's an allowance for the children. Yeah, you're spending well, a lot of that on. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be spending all of it on the child every week, though. I mean, you know, why why do you do it? Because I love children. Yeah, basically that's it, and that's why they know we're not going to give up. In the sense that foster children. parents aren't motivated by the money. Abs- there is no money in it. There really is no money in it. Um, you would spend that money no problem. Can you imagine a trip to, to Limerick two or three times a week? I know. And then, you know, I mean, sorry, no, you, you, there is no... And the, tr- the trauma, you're looking after these children, they're in care for a reason. They all have issues. Now, I know an awful lot of children today have issues, but we're trying to, to smooth them over. You're dealing issues. with troubled children. You absolutely, absolutely are. We don't get back to school allowance. Yeah. Every child in the country gets back to school allowance. Foster care is not allowed claim it. Yeah. So nothing yesterday and nothing since 2009? Nothing. We are totally ignored. We are 
we, we, we are voiced it. We tried our best this year and we lobbied every TD up and down the width and breadth of Ireland. And we told them exactly, you know, what our costs were, what, what the whole is. And we were ignored. We're not valued whatsoever. Okay, I'm going, to just, I'm going to make a note of that for me, Hall McGrath, and ask him, Michael McGrath, and ask him that question on your behalf. Would you, would you have 2009? Would you, would you have a child in the home then for a lengthy period of time, or can it vary? It varies. It varies. You have people who do short term and people who do long term. Long term would be that you have them up to 18. Do you want another laugh? Now that I mentioned the word 18, um, over 12, the, the allowance goes up to 350. But when they reach 18 and they're still in school, the allowance drops to 300 euros. That's insane. Thank you. Yeah, I have found that as children get older, it gets more expensive, not the other way around. Absolutely. So it's deducted you lose 50 euros straight away on their 18th birthday. So are we crying out for foster families these days then? Absolutely. The number that are giving up is huge. And that's why we're taking children from out of the country. You know, if a, if a placement breaks down, especially for a teenager, they can do the length and breadth of Ireland for a couple of nights until they eventually find a home. Very unsettling for the children, isn't it? Yeah, massive. They don't even have their bags with them. You know, they have an overnight bag and that's it. They must feel very, it, they must very, must feel very unvalued, like, mustn't they, the kids? Totally. They remind them and foster parents. And the carers. Yeah, yeah. And are you sad when they go then? Do you always worry as to how oh. life will be for them? Absolutely. Yeah. You become a stalker sometimes. Checking I shouldn't in. Say that the no, I know, I know what you mean by that. Checking in, making sure they're okay. How's their yes. life going? You will never forget your children that have been through the door. Do they ever never. come back in later life? And yes, yes. An awful lot of foster carers have, have walked their children down the aisle. <laughs> I think that's huge. That's, that's, that's nice. beautiful. That's nice. You know, yeah. An awful lot of them come back with their washing, you know, from college and all the rest of it. <laughs> Our doors are always open to our children. To You're lovely, children. in fairness. It's a, it's a tough goodbye, isn't it? Oh, awful. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know, if you're doing it long term, it doesn't have to be goodbye. Oh, I know. And if you're not doing, if you're not doing it long term, then there's a reason why you can't do it long term. I know, I know, I know. Okay, well, listen, I will chat with the minister a little later on. That's a glaring omission, for sure it is. Let's see what he has to say on the matter. Thank you, Neil. You're Thank more you. than welcome. Take care, Anne. Take care. Thank you. Back after Bye-bye. the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106-RED-FM. Pick up the phone, guys. Amy, good morning. Hey, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, you would be uh, somebody who is described as average middle-class working person, not getting diddly squat. Why do you say that? Like, it's, it's it hasn't benefited the middle working class at all. I think it works out at, what, an extra, like, nine euro or four euro per week to some people with them increasing the... Um, you can the, you can earn 40 grand before you go into the 40% tax bracket. Is that where you're getting the figure? Yeah, Yeah, I think it works out for the majority of people from what I've seen in common. You're about I've 190 said. euro a year better off. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. and they're also increasing the carbon tax, so they're just going to take that back, you know, when you're buying fuel. Um, like the, I, I worked it out this morning. So if somebody, um, well, say if you have a person that's earning 15 euro per hour, working 40 hours per week, they're taking home 600 euro before tax works out at uh, 31,200. That's based on a single person, um, 
with uh, a child and they have their extra tax credit uh, for, for having the, the, the child. If you take somebody that's working three hours per, per or sorry, three days per week, 24 hours total at 12.50 per hour, the, the take home pay between both of those people is 40 euro. Difference. Exactly. That's insane, yeah. isn't it? That's insane. The person that's doing the three days per week would be entitled to working family payment. On top of that, then, they would also be entitled to additional um, income, such as the fuel allowance. So on top of their 505 take-home pay, they would be coming out with an additional €33 per week for uh, a fuel allowance. Okay. As we've seen, because they're getting the fuel allowance, they'll also get a bump of €400 um, lump sum payment for the fuel. They'll also have their two, three hundred euro um, uh, tax credits uh, for, or sorry, allowance for the the electricity. Yeah. And then because they're on the working family payment, they'll also get a, a five hundred euro um, once off payment. So that person who's doing three days per week versus somebody that's like doing five days per week is significantly much more better off. And do you think a lot of people have cottoned on to what you've just said, to work less hours, claim more um, uh, extra benefits um, and come out better than working five days full time? Do you think people are cottoning on to that and following that course? I don't, I don't think a lot of people have realised like, to the extent of you know, how close that, that line actually is for them. But a, a lot of people, you know, if they're in a profession, their profession isn't going to allow them to work three days per week mm-hmm. or... You know, so there's a lot of people caught. I mean, you look at... So if you're earning anything between 20 or 30 or 35 grand and you have a family, there's a good argument to be made not to be working at all, isn't there? Yeah, if you're... I think the cap for one child for working family payment is your um, your take-home pay can't be over 541 euro to qualify at the moment. So if, if your take-home pay is over 541 euro and, you know, you're not a, a, a very high earner, you're you're literally getting, you know, the short end of the stick completely. They've, they've done nothing. You, people who are renting are getting a 500 euro tax credit per year. What about the people that aren't costing the state, you know, anything that aren't getting half allowance, that aren't, you know, in a council But I don't even know why people are talking about that 500 a year. Divide that by 12 and what have you got? 12 months rent. Yeah, exactly. But it's, 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 still, about, it's, about, it's about 47 or 8 euro a month off your rent. But you're like, that's nothing. It, it's nothing. But you, they, again, we'll say people, people that have a mortgage that are doing it themselves, that they've gotten nothing. Nothing at all. So you, you also have an issue if you take out carers or people on the old age pension, pension, you have a problem with all the rest who don't want to work and get benefits for it. I just think, I, I wouldn't say I have a problem with it. Well, you, you said know, social welfare recipients get everything. Extra allowances for fuel, double benefits at Christmas. They get a house for pittance. I think you have yeah. a problem with it. No, I wouldn't say I have a problem with it. Everyone has their, their own individual circumstances. But, you know, the, the system is, is not designed properly. Like when I give you those figures there, you're looking that there is, you know, a line, 40, 40 euro um, difference of somebody earning cuts them off from all of these benefits that they could have versus yeah. somebody on 40 or less that comes out uh, a hell of a lot better that, yeah, you know, yeah. would be entitled to, to HAP, that would be entitled to all these other allowances. I just think the whole system needs a complete revamp and, and you know, it, it needs to be looked at it. 
you, we're all aware there's some people out there that are happily, you know, sitting on social welfare from one end of their life to the next that have no intention whatsoever of working. Well, in the of UK course. now, they're coming after them, but I didn't hear anything about that in the Irish budget. Where yeah, the carers here, I mean, they, they gave a carer's spouse a measly 100 euro tax credit. You know, that's no acknowledgement whatsoever for somebody that's at home caring for a sick child. You, I saw you know. that this morning, actually. That was a woman who said that she gets an extra hundred euro, but it goes into her husband's um, yeah. tax credits Absolutely. and technically into his bank account. Thank you, for, yeah. thank you very much for being a stay-at-home mother, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's the article that I've seen as well. Like, you know, they, they've given something back to the pensioners, but again, what's a thousand euro going to do? It's, they're, they're living alone, the majority of pensioners. It's, it's an absolute disgrace, like. All right, uh, appreciate you taking the call and doing those sums. Um, just that kind of threshold, you know, income, isn't it, that gets people caught, doesn't it? They're just not making enough money to survive, but they're making too much to get help. But it could be only a number of hundreds or maybe a thousand, you know? Yeah, it should be a case like a U- USC should be people, you know, between between qualifying for any type of assistance and being classed as a high earner, wherever they want to put that, we'll say at 60,000 euro, there should be some sort of exemption from the USC to help right. those people. Good stuff. Thanks for that, Amy. Appreciate it. I thought what Neil said about not getting off their backside and not going out to work was very unfair and nasty. I've been working since I was 14, but after being diagnosed with cancer seven years ago, I had to quit. I'd love nothing more than to go back to work, but I'm not well enough. I tried to look after my grandkids, but it's nasty to hear Neil talking about people like me as lazy and entitled. I wasn't talking about you. And I think really, if you if you sat down and thought about it, you are not the type of people that we were talking about at all yesterday morning. We're talking about people who could work, don't want to work, will never work and play the system. Not you. I mean, you have issues, of course, and illness and you are not whom I'm talking about. I finished up my job last Friday. I was coming home with 400 or less every week. I had a 50 minute drive every day, costing a minimum of 100 a week on diesel. I have three kids and a home to run. Remember now. Uh, coming home with 400 or less every week. 100 of that straight away went on diesel going to and from work. There was no point working for an extra 80 quid or so. Uh, so I gave it up and miss everything. I was missing everything with my kids. Where I used to work, there are refugees. Looking at what they get, looking at what they get, finally made my mind up to walk from the job. Don't give out my details. So that would be a person who finished work and will now uh, claim a lot of different benefits and allowances. Uh, Could you calculate the benefits someone is entitled to if not working, like Dole, HAP, medical card? It must be three to four hundred or more. Uh, If everyone took the attitude of I'm entitled to this, where will the tax to pay for all these benefits come from? Uh, Working, paying taxes. Hope you get to read this out. Text 0868104106. Calls after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. More text after 11 and then a little later on, Michael McGrath. Dennis, unfortunately, I got about two and a half minutes. You wanted to pick up on when we need to build more houses and homes, they've decided to put an extra tax on pouring concrete. Bizarre, isn't it? I thought... I, I, honest, only, I thought that was the most mental part of it, you know, when you're in the middle of housing crisis with prices gone absolutely mental. Yeah, yeah. It's basically putting more, they, obviously the builders are going to pass that cost on to the purchasers. But they so, say about three grand on the cost of a house, I think. Is that a significant yeah, amount? Yeah, so a house that, you know, most people already can't afford is now 
you know, kind of it, it's gone even more unaffordable. And you know, it's it, like I put it back to the same with the churches and the banks. You know, the, the cowboy quarries, knowing the builders, like they, they had a dereliction of duty when they used all the defective products. Cowboy, bu- qu- yeah, cowboy quarries and cowboy builders, but used cheap concrete blocks that had a yeah. some kind of so a, it, an eating disease in them, and the blocks crumbled, and much of Donegal, whose houses were built up there, started to fall down. Yeah, so like I say, you know, you know, going back to the banks and the the churches, like you know, they had a dereliction of duty. We bail them out again. So now again, they're being bailed out, and the cost is and the you know the cost of bailing them out has been put on to us. And you know, it's, it's you know, there's no scruples about it. It's just saying, right, we know you can't afford a house at the moment because the house the, the prices are mental. Your rent in the rent price is mental. But now we're going to slap another couple of onto a house that you already can't afford. I, I, I don't get the logic. Who have you gone after? The quarries and the builders, is it? Obviously, because, I mean, like, let's be honest, no, Neil, if you had somebody come out and build an extension on your house and it started to fall down three years later, who's the first person? I know what you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody pays for the mica concrete blocks at a time when they want people to build more houses. It's the message they're sending, really, more than anything else, isn't it? It just seems to be kind of endemic in this country that, you know, when you know when the big people mess up, it's the little people that pay for it. Yeah, and that's what that this levy is about, isn't it? Everybody's got to pay the price now. Exactly. It's, it's just, like, it's, like you say, it's, it's, it's endemic. Like anything that's semi-state, anything that the state have a hand in. Like, I'd love for you to ask Michael McGrath what was the logic behind that because, you know, they frame this as a giveaway budget. But to be honest, no, like most people you've been talking to, I'm middle income earner, I work hard and working since I'm 14 years of age. And again, there was nothing in it for me because everything that all the all little sprinkles of stardust they gave me, that's been offset by everything that's gone certainly through is. the roof. It certainly the last is. Months, yeah, interest know? rates, fuel costs, and inflation. Just finally, Dennis, you're not alone on this. I see a text here saying, Do the concrete companies who made the faulty blocks, as usual, get off scot free? but it's the taxpayer who use the concrete products will have to pay yet more tax for their fault. So you're not alone in that one. Exactly. You're going to be double charged on it, really, because, look, like they obviously had a they had a package of $3 billion there for the, the hoses affected by MICA. So the $3 billion is coming out of our taxes, but now they're putting a levy on it, so we're going to double pay by paying extra if, we, if we're ever lucky enough to buy a house. Yeah, I know. Pay the extra yeah. deal. So, we're, you know, we, we double charge for it, you know? Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for taking the call, Dennis. Uh, very unhappy man working for a living knowing that part of his tax, yet more of it, is going to mop up someone else's problem. Back after 11. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Back to calls in a few minutes time It's outrageous giving social welfare recipients double payments increasing the fuel allowance and handing them lump sums of money to help with the price of increases in heating How many families won't use that money for the intended purposes of coal, oil and blocks uh, I guarantee a lot of these people will suffer a cold winter and will still turn up at St Vincent de Paul's and anywhere else they can get money when the time comes Families should not be given money. Actually, can I just say the increases for the, you know, the fuel fuel allowance and, and well, certainly the um, 600 euro of the price of uh, energy costs, that's not cash. That, that comes off your bill. You know, you don't actually physically get that money. Anyway, families should be given no cash 
only vouchers, similar to a one-for-all voucher that they can use solely for fuel and shops like Tesco, Dunn's, Aldi and Lidl to cover the food bill, not just to be handing them lump sums of money so they can do what they wish with. Uh, at least we will know that children who are not so well off will have some heating and food for the winter as the parents have no other option but to use it on that. This budget is only for the ones that won't get off their ass and get a job. They get another €12 euro a week and still complain. Yet the work working person will lucky to get €9 euro a week if they're earning forty grand plus. It's insane this country is all for the people who won't work. Uh, I have to travel from Tipperary to Cork five days a week for work. It costs me 150 plus a week on diesel, 20 a week on the toll, 300 a week on the creche for two children, not to mention my mortgage. I also have to endure the extra food cost, heating, electricity. I'd be lucky to get nine euro better a week on this budget. I have to pay 60 if I need to go to the doctor. No medical card for me. I have to pay the property tax on a house that I have a mortgage on. So nine euro a week. For a 40-hour working week, should I be happy with this? Thank you for that email to neil at redfm.ie. Um, and there are many more, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. I'm just conscious of uh, people standing by on the phones. Paul, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you getting Okay, on? so nothing in it for you. Um, married couple with, uh, is it two children? Okay. Yeah, two kids, uh, Emily and Holly. Okay, okay. So you've done the maths on it. Um, you see no benefits no. apart from, say... Uh, the 600 in 2 euro tranches of your electricity bill like exactly yeah and, and, and even at that like our USP before it used to be maybe 120 130 every two months we're, we're quite savvy with keeping lights off and stuff like that but with the last bill was 180 something euro yeah like you know we can we can barely cover it we have a mortgage it's gone up to track a mortgage so that has gone up. It's gone up to 700 euro a month. So that has to be paid every that has month. To be paid. Yeah, yeah. You have the tax of the car, insurance of the car, ESP. But hold on yeah. a second. What about the free primary school books, for instance? Or will you that, not be that, able to get a free doctor's card now? Uh, like we, we have we have a free GP card for, for Holly. We're, we were in the past to get one for Emily. You know, they're, they're, they're quite small. Only one is four. One is nearly eight months. So, we, yeah, we have that. But even that, like if, if me or my wife Priscilla ever wants to go to the doctor, fifty or sixty quid. Mm. If we have to get, if we have to get a prescription, mm. that's whatever, whatever much it's going to be. Who knows? It could be anything. Yeah. And like you've diesel inside the jeep. The jeep is on the road five days a week. Though, like we had a car, but we had to upgrade to a jeep. You know, for more room for for two kids. Carry the buggy and everything. I know what you're saying. Actually, I was looking at the figures last night and I was working out that somebody who's earning over a hundred grand a year is 831 euro better off after yesterday, right? Yeah. And a yeah. person earning 35 grand a year is 191 euro better off. So 831 for somebody who's on a really good salary as against to, say, a fairly average one, 191. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, I like the, it's, it's, it's four times better off. Yeah, it's, it's, this is a, a one-income household. My wife, she works unreal hard with two kids. You know, she's up in the morning. Like, our kids are early risers. They can be up from any time from half six time. Yeah. She she has to get 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 one ready, feed the other one, get one to preschool, come back, put on dinner, look after the other kids. Holly from preschool, bring her back home, get lunch for all of them. And she, she gets on it. She doesn't get recognised at all in all this. I know but when crash comes along then, there will be a lower crash fee, you see. Is that not a... 
But sorry, if she went out to go working, you know, like I have her tax credits, so you know, I I know I don't get taxed as much. But if I went to give them back, I'd be getting taxed more. She'd be getting taxed, so would we wouldn't be better off at all. And like she does, she does a damn fine job with the kids at home. All right, okay. And no, I know she doesn't. She she'd like to be out working. Yeah. But it it wouldn't it wouldn't be cost effective because yeah. if she went working, Dad would have to pay for the crash. What do you have spare at the end of a week or a month? Did you ever look at that amount, that figure? I, uh, well, I'd, I'd tell you this, sir. We haven't been out for a meal in a long, long time. The money we just have, isn't there for it? No, it's not there. We, we have, we, we work out with our shopping. We, we kind of meet, we meal plan for the week. We get what we need. And whatever's left over then, you throw diesel into the jeep. I know. You have to, you know, it, it, I know she gets child benefits, but like... That's, got, that's on the kids. That's clothes for the kids, shoes. You know, if they want, maybe if they want to tie or two, that's for them. That's it. You know, we, we don't use that. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. if we were badly stuck, if we needed something really badly, then yeah, we probably would have to use it. But we try not to. That is for, like, that's not, that's not, that, that's just for kids reading, you know. Yeah, okay. If they, if they, if they need a uniform whenever she's going to school, it's going to be bought out of that. I know what you're saying. And, and like, yeah. just say, going, even going to the, the social welfare thing, I'm not begrudging anyone anything. But, Jay gets a Christmas bonus every year. Now, I know someone's probably going to start raving on to me about this now. They get a Christmas bonus every year. A mother at the home, nothing. I know. The only thing I can see there is a double payment of the monthly child yeah. benefit. Yeah, I know what One. you're saying. That would be worth one. 840 to a family of with uh, with three children, as an example. Just the one. You're yeah, right there. Exactly, yeah. Okay. It's just one. Okay, thanks, Paula. Under pressure for time, trying to get as much on the air as I can. Thank you for your contribution. So, it was a bit, bit, bit like the Late Late Show version of the budget. There was something for everyone in the audience, but for some more than others. So, it wasn't necessarily equitable. But, of course, they will say that they have to give to those that need it most. But after all the build-up of yesterday's giveaway, so-called giveaway budget. Seamus was out in the streets of Cork, not just in the streets of Cork actually talking to the ordinary person on the street but also popping into a few businesses here and there uh, around the city uh, and I want to give you an opportunity to have a listen to that I do think in terms of what they've done for children and the primary school books being free and things like that, that's definitely going in the right direction but I think the more pressing issues okay, are how are people going to heat their houses this, this winter, how are they going to get through the winter with everything going up in price and by giving us one-off payments they're not actually addressing the issue. Because I think the last one-off payment that was taxed anyway so the 200 euros ended up being 175. Exactly but as well like what are they doing they're enriching the energy companies that's really what's happening here and we're allowing them to do it in the same way as that the, the petrol went up it came down a small bit it hasn't come back to the price that it was supposed to be it's it's a grift I think honestly I know that there's complex situations going on in the world. I understand the the pressures that are on people, but I just don't think the government are doing enough or addressing it in a way that's actually meaningful. It's more like buying votes, in my opinion. So it's kind of like a late, late, uh, late, late budget. It's something for everybody in the audience. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm not buying. (laughs) Well, it was good for some and not so good for others. How did you fare in it? I haven't really studied the Jeff Butcher. I don't think I'll fare very well, to be honest with you. But they did look after children well now. I think. And school. It's lovely getting this free school books and all that. But that's from next September. Next September, yeah. Yeah. No children, obviously, in school. <laughs> I'd say it's, it's as good a budget as we could expect now, to be honest with you. And I've only read a little bit about it. But well, why haven't the government done something with the electricity companies to stop them? Sure, they're only just going to raise their prices again, knowing that people are getting money off the government. 
Do what they did in England, is it? Do what they did in England. Would you be able to survive on the 12 euro increase on the pension? Well, I suppose it's hard to survive nowadays anyway, isn't it? You know? So, um, I suppose no matter what they give us wouldn't, you know, help us anyway, I suppose. I find our electricity bill is still pretty low. Now, the last one only went up 100 euro with board gosh, mm-hmm. from, from 400 to 500. I, and I think that's pretty reasonable on a bi-monthly bill. Uh, as I said, all our lights here are LED. We're only 200 square feet, maybe the stockroom 100 square feet. But the lights are on all night outside. And the lights are on all day here, as you can see. It's a pretty bright place for an IT shop, for an IT repair shop. You have to have a bike. But as I said, all bulbs are LED, which are low on electricity than the older stockrooms. So that's the way to go there. Oh, definitely. Well, if you're talking about the Australian budget, I can probably help you. But, um, <laughs> but not the Irish one. No. But don't worry. Around the world, we're all suffering from the same inflationary problems, and um, you're all being impacted, partly because of the war in Ukraine, but yeah. And the Americans keep putting up their interest rates. Well, I mean, what do they say? If America sneezes, the rest of the world catches cold. How was budget 2023 for Nash 19? Well, obviously, the energy package is very welcome. You know, when you take gas electricity, all the different levels of energy and all the different types of energy that you use, all those deals that were there have all run out, all, all our contracts contracts are over now and that's where it has really kicked in because you're back to baseline again. And what about your suppliers then, obviously them delivering to you, yeah. it's an added cost on them getting the product to you in, in, in a timely manner, keeping it fresh and then Obviously, that is not going to affect your, your profit margin then as well. Oh, it's just a spiralling bubble now at this stage. You know, even just take fish, okay? So we buy fish in fresh every morning. That's how I start my menu. And if our supplier has to go to Castletown Bay or Union Hall, Kinsale or wherever they have to go, they go every day. So to fill their um, van going down there, it's 160 euro in diesel, whereas it used to be about 100. Um, the same scenario applies for um, our um, wholesale trader, who's MMP O'Sullivan. His van now costs 200 euro to fill. It used to be 120 euro, and so if we're you know if we're ordering less to try to curtail our costs, and the spend is tight now, as you can imagine, James, it has tightened up because every one of us, every one of us, are really sore or or, or touchy or sensitive in the discretionary spend. So we're all trying to order less, we've tightened up everything. The knock-on effect of that is that they're supplying less to us, it costs them more to get it here. And only last week I was told that our fish was going up in price. I'm not surprised because there's a scarcity of it anyway. My meat fluctuates continually. Um, I rarely have prime end beef on anymore on my menu. I have it on this week because I just want it on. But you know, it's staggering the cost of it. A rack of lamb is just exorbitant. You know, it just goes on and on and on, like the cost of um, milking for your dairy, the cost of raising chickens for your eggs and your chicken, like every single thing. So every single farmer that produces for in here, it has vastly increased. And, they, and they've been trying to hold it because I'm very loyal to them for over 30 years, you know, particularly the smaller supplier. But of course they have to increase. And it's the one thing 
that I never say no to them. You know, if they have to increase, they have to increase. And I just don't know is or will the general public you know accept the increases that we have to make i did get advice from one of my financial consultants recently and he said your prices have to go up significantly end of story for you to start to try and pay back your debt that's warehoused and to do any more than a break-even scenario and that's just the reality of it and all my team i'd never tell them any of that before they're all highly aware of that now at the minute and you know they talk about minimum wage going up that minimum wage is farcical here anyway because I've nobody on that minimum wage you couldn't live in it Michael Nolan your partner in charge of Van Thornton here in Cork what was uh, your opinion of budget 2023 did they do enough could they have gone further uh, look, you can always go further in relation to these things. They spent as much as they could. They've got a limited budget as to what they can do year on year. I thought the budget, the, the measures were very targeted. They were targeted at the right cohort of society, um, <coughs> whether that be the elderly, the young or young families. And I thought he did a very good job. A lot of people would have thought that he's just kind of tinkering around the edges and trying to keep champagne off his back. That's a political question, no. Um, uh, he has to tinker around the edges. He can't do anything radical at any given time because he's very much limited as to what he can do because of the budget situation, whether the deficit or the surplus. Well, he's going to have a big surplus this year based on that surplus. He's used all that surplus. What more can he do? And regarding housing and things like that, do you have a view on that? Uh, the housing problem is a very complex problem to solve. Uh, I think what he has done is he's put as much structure in place to help the housing situation, but you've got an awful lot of stakeholders in the housing situation, whether it be developers, whether it be the housing associations, whether it be landowners, whether it be NAMA, whether it be all these different um, agencies involved, it's a very difficult one to do. I think he's done from a finance perspective as much as he could. Maybe he could look at the VAT for developers in relation to new bills. That's something down the line, but that's a, that's a big decision for him to make, big call to make. Like the one point that he did make in relation to the corporation tax receipts, they're very narrow in that there's a very narrow base there and he's got to be careful as to what he gives out. And do you think it's, he's given out a good message now to external markets regarding Ireland? Because it's a good, it's, it's, it's a balancing... It's trip. a balancing budget. Like if you look at what they did in the UK, the UK has had a horrendous impact on their markets, on their currency. I don't think the markets have reacted to our budget like they've reacted to the one in the UK. So yes, I think he's given out a very good signal to them that we're doing it in a controlled and um, organised manner and not being too blasé with what we're doing. And of course we're looking at more interest rate hikes coming down the, coming down the, the line as well so we have to kind of contend with those as well don't we? We are and uh, I, I, I can see why they're bringing up interest rates on the basis that like we've got inflation eating into people's uh, pockets which will definitely bring down inflation over time um, and to add another cost on, on interest rates doesn't make sense when they really, when what's happening in the market is bringing down demand naturally uh, so the interest rate hikes while from an economics point of view and a, econo a theoretical economics point of view makes sense, I don't know if they're all together necessary and may Maybe in the next 18 months they might have to be reversed. Okay, after the break, we'll chat with the Minister, Michael McGrath. 
Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, just ahead of the minister, just another uh, two minutes before I chat with him. I want to because he's on hold, but I want to give him an opportunity to hear some of the audio from yesterday's show. Well, why don't they tell the truth, Neil? We don't get 200. We get 175 because they take 25 euros back on tax. Why don't they just say 175? I have no reds. That's what I'm trying to tell you. My whole point of eating is a stove, a small stove in the sitting room. So what about all the other rooms? I mean, they must be freezing they in the winter. Cold. <laughs> they are cold, yeah. You just put extra bedding on, extra clothes. Like me, they're, they're taking the cream and the pie. They're giving the rest to us, you know what I mean? Okay, I'm retired now. I have my pension, blah, 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 right? That's fine. But I see people here in my area, boy, and, you know, they're struggling, man. And, and you, know, you know, everybody is struggling because of the cost of energy. That's the biggest problem. Oh, listen, moment, don't right? kid yourself. That's 600 euro that people would get off their electricity bill in three 200 euro payments. That's just rewarding energy companies. That's because of the election coming up, Neil. Give them all free travel passes, cut it all, bring everyone back down to ground level. Uh, cut out drivers, cut out cars, cut out claiming expenses. They've all got their travel pass. Drive on. Free books for primary, free college uh, fees, and nothing for secondary schools. Like uh, secondary school is way more expensive than primary. You know. Yeah. So why hone in and? primary and not the other like okay. and what I'm saying is that I will be giving those girls notice now that I am vacating uh, the market okay for the simple reason that this, this budget is all about as it is always tenant 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 then our bad guy bad guy bad there's nothing in it for us and the thing is fine well, they, they increase social welfare payments social they, welfare goes up there's double welfare yeah. payments child yeah. benefits but, get yeah uh, but where's the money coming payments? from Neil Where's the money coming from? It's coming from us, the taxpayer. Who else is paying for it? The government okay. aren't. You know, okay. they're, paying, they're increasing their own wages. I do think that where the elderly are concerned, after all, it was the majority of the elderly who died during the COVID. And I think we can be a neglected society. And I sincerely hope that to give €12 Euro to us, somebody up there realises it's a blatant insult. Michael McGrath, I phone. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Now, a lot of people unhappy in spite of the 11 billion euro spend. Imagine you're going to have to work out who's going to pay for it. But certainly those on different social welfare payments are unhappy with the 12 euro. Pensioners are very unhappy and the working class are unhappy. People who get up in the morning. I did a calculation that those on over 100 grand a year will get 831 euro extra, whereas somebody on 35 grand a year will get 191 euro extra uh, with regards to tweaking the tax bans. Uh, how is that fair and equitable? Well, to deal with your taxation question first there, Neil, um, you gave the example of somebody, I think, earning 100,000 or more, yeah. um, but somebody earning 40,000 euro gets the exact same benefit. And it's because we have a highly progressive tax system in Ireland. The more you earn, uh, your ta- income tax bill rises dramatically. And I think that is only fair. And there is a limit to what you can do by way of giving tax back to people on relatively low incomes because their effective rate of tax is quite low. And, uh, but it's about how better off they are after a budget are you disputing those numbers um, well I'm just making the point to you that 
you gave the example of someone on 100k but someone on 40k gets the exact same benefit as somebody on 100 or 200,000 in relation to the tax change it's a function of our tax system uh, it's highly progressive but I think you have to take the budget in the round you can't um, form a conclusion based on one single measure you know we have sought to make progress here across a whole range of areas reducing childcare costs by up to a quarter and um, the free books at primary level extending access to GP care eliminating hospital charges okay. uh, I, reducing I, college fees I'm not disputing there are good aspects so to it and it's a, you sure. know and, and it's a work in progress but the GP care issue even doctors in, on Lee side are wondering where the hell did this come from there aren't enough doctors surgeries are full they're closed to new business and you're inviting 430,000 extra uh, into free GP, GP care I mean has this been thought through they will need extra help. There's no doubt that the general practice area is under pressure. And I spoke with Minister Donnelly about that issue when he flagged this as a key priority in relation to the health budget. And uh, he has provided uh, an assurance that there will be uh, a package of support for general practice. Uh, he's anxious, for example, to make sure the practices have more uh, practice nurses uh, who can do uh, an enormous amount of the work. And we know how valuable they are in the contribution that they make. They're saying that it actually will affect the patients that they're already dealing with if they're spread too thin. This Um, is the reality of it. It might be a good idea. Some are saying it's just electioneering, but it's not going to work. Well, look, it's it's certainly not electioneering. We are trying to reduce costs for families uh, and for individuals, and we know that the cost of seeing a GP can be a deterrent uh, for some people who really should go to to a GP and be seen. So we do need to um, enhance general practice, and that will be done in tandem with uh, the rollout of this measure and the Department of Health. Where are you going to get the doctors from? Where are you going to get the nurses from? Where are you going to get the administration staff from? Because if they were there, we'd have them already. Well, we are recruiting right across the board. In the last two years, we have uh, added about 15,000 people to the health service. Uh, and Minister Donnelly has a budget now to increase that by about a further 6,000 people next year. So the capacity is being increased, increased across the system. I acknowledge uh, general practice is under pressure. Um, I'm not taking away from that. And, the, and you come and up with a half a million extra patients for doctors to see. Um, and that, that is why, in addition to expanding eligibility for the GP visit card, uh, there will be a need for additional supports for general practice. And Minister Donnelly now and his officials uh, will be engaging with the representative bodies to make sure that that's done. It's not thought through, though. You haven't got to the end game or a solution yet. You're saying we, we will try and work it out as to how this will work then. Well, it's up to a government to make uh, budget decisions and to make decisions about policy and what we intend to do. And, of course, we have to take on board the views of stakeholders and work with them. But there has been ongoing engagement between the Department of Health uh, and general okay. uh, practice representatives in relation to extending uh, the free GP card to um, six- and seven-year-old children, for example. So there has been extensive engagement. This is a major move. We acknowledge that. Uh, and it does add pressure to the system and that is why the government has to provide additional support to general practice to make sure this can be implemented. Okay, the, the issue with regarding to the, the fuel credits, the, the 3 by 200, when people will have bills multiples of that, really is just rewarding or letting the energy suppliers off the hook, isn't it? That A cap was the proper solution to this, where people would know how much they would pay across the winter full stop. Why didn't you do well, it? We, we, we've made it clear that uh, depending on what emerges from 
the meeting of the EU energy ministers on Friday and we do expect that there will be a final decision about what is going to be done in relation to windfall gains and uh, member states uh, getting um, additional revenues by way of taxation from those windfall gains. If that does not result in an agreement uh, then we made it clear in the budget yesterday that we will move uh, and we will introduce a measure in Ireland um, that tackles that issue and that does take revenues off those companies the ESP's to two million profit a day kind of thing. Yeah, now look, the ESP is state owned, so in that case, it's quite simple. I mean, we already take 40% of the profits by way of a dividend, and it's open to the state to increase that. We can take more of their profits. Uh, we do want them to continue to reinvest in, in renewables. You know, over 40% of our electricity now in Ireland comes from renewable sources, and that requires more and more investment, but, because ultimately, that is the solution but, here. But if you look at the ESP, if you look at Energy, if you look at Board Gosh, their profits are obscene, right? when people are pinned to their collar, knowing that their profits are obscene. Um, yes, and that is why the government has given a commitment that we are going to uh, tackle that issue of windfall gains. But you raised the issue of a price cap, which is very attractive, Neil. On the surface, it sounds great that the state will give a guarantee of how much your bill is going to be. Um, but of course, we don't know what will happen to wholesale prices. It is like the state giving uh, uh, you know, an unlimited commitment. Uh, we don't know what that liability will end up being. But you were able to do it for businesses, though. But not no, for residential. We, no, oh, we you, well, you have. You're saying we that put they a cap. We put a cap on the on the payment there, so it's not an unlimited liability. What we are you will give them back forty percent of any additional energy costs for the business. Correct, 40% yeah. of the increase in their costs yeah. relative to last year, but subject to a cap of, uh, of a benefit of 10,000 per month. Yeah. Um, so it's, a, it's an altogether different thing to say to every household in the country, you're not going to pay more than X when we don't know what the wholesale price is going to be and we're saying we'll bridge the gap whatever it was going to be they're doing that in the UK and we can see um, the difficulties that have arisen now in the UK uh, in terms of their cost of borrowing uh, we're going to see interest rates but rising very quickly so any so we I, know have that, to but so any, I know that but so any I'm under pressure for time because I've only an allotted amount of time with you but if you say 600 of fuel right which will be gobbled up by the energy suppliers in fact any kind of increase that you're talking about is gone already because of inflation at eight and eight and a half percent, interest rates and the fuel costs. So there's there's no benefit whatsoever. Well, I think you have to consider it alongside all of the other measures. I mean, the people who need the most help are getting the most help in this budget. Like we have analysed what the impact of all of the measures combined is and it's very clear from that analysis that you know people who uh, who earn the least are getting the most from this budget in terms of the different supports that are being provided you know there will be a whole range of I understand those made. are welfare payments and social well, work, but for people who go out to work I guess yeah. I get the primary school issue with books and I I understand the extra GP cards which I don't know you're going to make that work but yeah, it's for working people yeah, but people who go out to work face many of these costs too. They face childcare costs. They have children going to college. And, you know, we're reducing, we're giving €1,000 back to families per child, who are, those who are paying €3,000 college fees. We're give, giving them a double month's grant payment as well. Uh, we're but bringing in free, free books at primary level. Like, there are a lot of measures here that will help no, people I know, I know, eliminating hospital uh, charges. I understand that, but a lot of the welfare grants that you're talking about, the fuel... They're, they're not long-term. They're just one-offs. 
Uh, they are payments that will be made in the coming weeks because of the exceptional costs that people are facing and some of them uh, are are large. We're making payments of €500 Euro for working family payments. Those are those are the very families you're talking about, Neil. Those are families working who are on relatively modest incomes uh, and we are giving them €500. Euro. Uh, it is, yes, a once-off payment uh, and we're also allowing more people into that scheme. Uh, and then we have very targeted payments for people who are carrying the heaviest burden at the moment. Like older what? people, Older people living alone. You know, we all know the cost of running a home for a single person is not half the cost of running a home for a couple. And so people living alone do need extra help. And we are making additional payments to them for carers, people on disability allowance, on invalidity, um, people who are in receipt of a blind pension. These are the people we're targeting with extra payments and yep. all core weekly Recipients will get a double week yeah. as well as the Christmas bonus. Can't so argue with that. Money given I, I can't argue with that for social welfare payments, for sure. No HAP increase, though, with raging rents. Well, in relation to rents for people on the uh, in the private rental market, we are giving them uh, a rental tax credit, which is €500 Euro in the current year. That they'll 50 be euro a month off your rent, Michael. And an additional 500 next year. So that's 1000 And if it's a couple and they're both on the tenancy, uh, then that's €1,000 each across the two years. You know, we're already spending about a billion euro on rental support through the HAP scheme, um, the RAS scheme, and a whole load of other uh, rental support measures that are there. And, you know, we have um, we have a massive house-building programme now. I by understand, but you... you you didn't, you didn't, I understand, I understand. You didn't look at HAP, but at the same time, you gave the 600 fuel to everybody, even those that don't need it, won't feel any pain across the winter because they can well afford to pay their bills. It wasn't even means well, tested. I mean, the question I put back to you there, Neil, is where would you draw the line on who would get an electricity credit? Is it someone on 50,000, 60,000? That's your job. No, that's not your, yeah, that's your I job, know, but, not mine. But, but, but no, but it's a valid question because. It's fine to say that somebody on 50,000 a year is on a very good salary. They could have a large mortgage, high rental costs, childcare costs, education costs. So the, the universal measures, which include the electricity credits, they are going to everyone, including those that need it the most. And in addition... That's not my point. It's including the ones that don't need it and wouldn't miss it. And possibly it should have been an opt-in system. Um, there, there are certainly some people who don't need it. Uh, of course, I acknowledge that point. Um, but that is why the majority of the measures that we are bringing in here are quite targeted uh, across all the welfare areas and then also uh, focusing on the costs that people face uh, in their day-to-day lives in childcare, in healthcare, in education and across the board. Um, when you look at it, actually, and you add it all up, there were those that were still saying that even the 12 euro payment for people on social welfare benefits is way short of what it should have been. I think I think Sinn Féin were saying and others were saying that it should have been just to stay standing 25 a week. That was never possible, although I think Leo Varadkar did want it to be higher, didn't he? Um, look, if you if you look at what we've done in total, and you take the um, uh, the bullet payments, like if you were to spread those across uh, the period from now to the end of next year, then for many people it works out uh, on welfare at more than twenty euro a week. You know, you look at the double payments, you look at the uh, lump sum payments we're making in the coming weeks, and Neil, we do have to be careful with the public finances. Uh, it, it's one thing to make um, once off lump sum payments, which we ha- can do because we have a surplus because the economy economy um, is going well and the public finances are in good health. Um, but at the same time, to say that you're going to permanently increase something means you have to fund that every single year. Mm. So we will have and it to It could be have been flexible. temporary. 
could have been to get us through this raging inflation, interest rates, fuel costs. You could have revisited it again at the back end of the spring. I think we've done it a different way. You know, we are giving uh, those that need that extra help uh, the money. We are giving it to them in the coming weeks, which is the right thing to do. And then we can, uh, on the 1st of January, the 12 euro week increase will kick in. So if you actually look at it in total and you were to spread it out per week for many people, um, it's going to be well more than the 20 a week that some groups have called for. Um, you're, t- you're doing nothing with USC, um, that uh, that awful tax that was introduced as a temporary measure. Is that always going to be with us? No matter what tax bend you're on, you have USC added to it. That's, that's um, infinite, is it? It, it, I, I don't see any prospect of the USB, USC being abolished. It brings in about four to five billion euro uh, every year. And uh, to be straight with you, as I always will be, it just would not be affordable uh, for uh, the government. Was that to always the intention to lie to us that it was going to be temporary? Well, when it was introduced, uh, it was a combination of a health levy uh, and an income levy, uh, and there was an amount added on top of that. So it was a combination of two existing levies, but it went further. It was higher. I acknowledge that, uh, and that was back during the crisis, and um, uh, it, it's not possible to abolish it. The focus is on income tax and reducing income tax uh, for workers. Just one aspect that came up this morning, and that was foster parents um, who haven't had an increase in spite yeah. of the very valid and very important work they do with children. Certainly those uh, under 12 and over 12, the rates are different. They haven't had an increase since 2009. Why did you drop the ball on those? Um, no, I acknowledge that point. Do you forget? Uh, no, I mean, the way it works, Neil, is I negotiate with uh, line ministers. And no, line but you're okay with giving RTE 15, grand, 15 million and TG Cahar 7.5 million, but you forget very valuable contributors to Irish well, society. Listen, my own family, um, right through my upbringing, uh, fostered. I know the value of foster care, uh, and uh, that led to a lifelong relationship, which um, we really, really value and appreciate. But then you should know um, better, I then, will, shouldn't you? Yeah, I, I do know the value of it, and... Uh, I have raised this issue with uh, the line department. Uh, they've assured me that Tusla is in a position where the need arises to provide extra support to families. Uh, there is a report being completed on foster care. I'll take a personal interest that, in that and I will work with Minister O'Gorman on the outcome of that uh, to see what we can do if they make a recommendation. Are you, by, by, uh, are you looking, at, are you looking at a, a recommendation from them and then an increase, is it? Um, that's possible. Okay. I, I will. I will engage with him on that. So, and uh, you know, while we have settled the budget, you know, there there can always be you know minor changes that, in the context of a ninety billion euro spend, are not material. So I'm not ruling out looking at specific individual measures. And um, you know, that would be quite small in the overall scheme of things, but might mean a lot to some people. Okay, but at at at, at the same time, though, um, are you looking at another mini budget in the new year then to address issues that need updating or something? Did Leo Varadkar suggest that? He'd be incoming Taoiseach-like. Um, we're, we're not looking at that. We've just put um, Budget 2023 out there. We think it's well, he's looking at it. Didn't he say it this morning, though? It's well, morning look, Ireland. You, I think the truth is you can't rule anything out, Neil. We are living in very, very uncertain times. The global economy is slowing down significantly. That will have an impact on Ireland. We don't know what will happen in Ukraine. The energy markets uh, are in turmoil. Uh, we hope that a degree of, of stability will be brought and we'll see prices uh, turning in the opposite direction. But the truth is we just don't know. 
know uh, nobody can predict what will happen in the next six nine months so we're not ruling anything out the good news is that we have uh, put aside uh, a reserve uh, we've put six billion euro away uh, into a contingency reserve and if we need it we will be prepared to use it but it's a good thing that we're running budget surpluses like all, everything that we announced yesterday we're able to fund uh, without borrowing any additional money and that's a really positive thing for the country because um, you know when the cost of borrowing rises uh, it gets really difficult uh, for governments to be borrowing more money increasing their interest bill we're not having to do that but we still have a gaping wound though in which you've put a small bandage uh, I mean frustrating and all as that must be for you but there was a little else for you to do even though it did total 11 billion see I've seen people see 11 billion euro being spent in this package but they're the ones that work 37 to 40 hours a week and have crazy costs in their lives they don't really see it impacting in any way positively to them in spite of the 600 for fuel or free primary school books it's that bandage on the gaping wound Look, I, I, I accept for many people it is really challenging. It's really tough at the moment. Uh, I, I think it will take a while for all uh, of the details of this budget to be uh, to be assimilated, Neil. There are a huge But the private sector aren't there. getting... I know that, but they don't get wage increases. I mean, time after time, I get people telling me about all of the wage increases that politicians get regularly. You know, and, and they find, the pay, they the, find the politicians pay. disingenuous then when they tell us, we know how tough it is. Yeah, look, I, I hear that regularly too. I talk to ordinary people every single day, Neil. I, I don't set my own uh, salary. Uh, the salary of TDs is linked directly to um, uh, public servants uh, and it's, it's taken out of our hands in that sense and, and rightly so. Look, we, you know, in government we decided when we came into office we would we would waive a certain amount of, uh, of our salary. I sign a salary waiver every year where I gift a certain amount back. I think so far it's um, it's well over €50,000 has been gifted back to the state. I've no problem doing that. I'm very well paid. I'm not in it for the money. I love the job I do and uh, I do the best I can uh, with the decisions that we make. We're open to criticism. You know, that's that's life. Uh, that's public life. And uh, But, you know, we are. most of us, I think, are there for the right reasons and we are trying to help. In spite of everything else, we still have a million on waiting lists. I don't see anything with regards to new hospitals or, or extra beds or anything. Do I? Did I miss something? There's a massive waiting list package uh, of over 400 million euro. Uh, we'll be recruiting more staff next year. Uh, we will be adding further beds to the system uh, as well. Uh, the National Treatment Purchase Fund will be used. Private hospitals will be used to help clear public waiting lists. So that is a real priority because COVID put the whole thing under pressure. Um, lists did grow and we do need to tackle them. And um, Minister Donny is a very, very large package. But where are you going to get the staff for all those, Michael, including the uh, 700 extra teachers when people who are qualifying as teachers are going to Australia and New Zealand. They're just not staying. They don't like the job offers here. Well, you know, in health, we did recruit successfully 15,000 people in the last two years. So they are there. And, uh, you know, we are... Uh, we are now awaiting the outcome of a public service pay deal uh, which will Im- involve certain Im- improvements in public service pay that will make it more attractive for people to join and hopefully to stay within the public service uh, we are reaching out abroad as well to bring people who have experience and skills back to Ireland where we want them uh, to provide services here so I think 15,000 in health in, in two years uh, is a lot Neil I am under time pressure Final I'm question before you go i got to ask yeah. you just before you go this, um, this conference and convention centre, you're ploughing a lot of money into something that still is an empty site. Have you any updates on that? I mean, uh, what, what was the announcement yesterday? 15 million, is it? 
seven and a half million last year. That the, uh, the design work is uh, being completed and will be completed before the end of the year and we're working with Cork City Council then on the next steps but uh, the funding that the government uh, is providing has been increased uh, as you know the commitment uh, that we initially made or the previous government made has been added to uh, and so government is standing behind the project we want it to happen design stage is almost complete and really there should be no further reasons then why it doesn't proceed yeah. but we need the cooperation of uh, the private sector partners to make sure that happens Are they dropping the ball on this then? Is it BAM and Live Nation or do you know? What's, it's seven years on now like you know The, the design work is almost finished that's my understanding and okay. we'll, be, we'll be liaising with the City Council then on the next steps Okay let's watch that one Thank with Thanks Minister take care Appreciate under that. pressure Bye-bye. everyone's under pressure this morning I don't know what it is with me Michael McGrath Minister for Public Expenditure and Reform your thoughts on that are welcome text 0868104106 just a quick one on that I don't know whether Tom, Thomas Gould Sinn Féin TD wants to rebut imagine he would rebut every single thing that Fianna Fáil would say anyway Tommy good morning Good morning, Neil. Okay, so uh, covered as much ground as I could with them. Clearly, yes. you, were, you would be very unhappy with, uh, say, for instance, a lot of the welfare payments that have been announced because that's a bugbear of Sinn Féin, right? No, well, Neil, the issue here is about choices. We had 11 billion euros to invest in people this winter to tackle the cost of living crisis. And the difference was the government went for a lot of higher paid people instead of only working families and we're not just... No, he said that the same tax system works for everybody so he doesn't necessarily buy that. You actually, you explain this. People under 100,000 are coming out better than people who are under 35. Yeah. But it's not just not saying it. All the opposition, Vincent de Paul, loan, threshold, mental health reform, family carers, GPs, like I've never... Like you're on the radio a long time now, Neil. Have you ever heard the reaction after a giveaway budget that so many people are so angry? Like I listened to your show this morning. It was unbelievable, yeah. the anger and disappointment. And what we are saying is, like you did call us out this morning on the radio, the, the pennies after talking with the government. They've, I think they've realised the more this morning with the backlash that they didn't do enough. And now they're talking about another budget in January. And what, area, and what area do you think people are so angry about? I mean, if the GP care thing works, that's good. Is it the fuel allowance? Is it to do with, uh, you know, um, the, the, the issues regarding people on middle incomes who see absolutely no change? I mean, wh- where, where are people unhappy? Is it the fact that they didn't cap the energy costs? What? Yeah, the energy is a huge thing. Neil, people's bills have gone through the roof for the past year. So people, are, this, this 600 euros they're going to give people now is only a, a fraction of the extra money people are paying. What we said, what Pierre Sorty said is we would cap the prices at 2,021 levels before the crisis started. People would then be able to afford to pay their bills, right? Now Michael McGrath came on and he was on the telly last night with Maurice Sal and he was saying they couldn't give a, a blank check or they couldn't guarantee that. But when they bailed out the bank, when Fianna Fáil bailed out the bank, we gave them mm. a blank cheque for $64 billion. Mm. And then when we're looking for one or two billion, what we're saying, Sinn Féin, is $1.6 billion would give people that security. But the other thing, Neil... Could wreck the economy, though. You, you, no, it wouldn't, Neil, it wouldn't. What $1.6 billion would give people security till the end of February. And what we right. know is three quarters of people's heating bills and electricity are, are between those the dates. Yeah. Okay. And the one other point, Neil, right? Yeah. You mentioned universal social charge. The difference between us and the government is we would tackle the lower bands in that 
to give people a low... Why, that, why, why? why not abolish it for everybody? It's a disgusting, draconian tax that was supposed to be temporary. Why, why wouldn't you be fair and equitable to all? Because there's a lot of higher earners. Why would you take the, the people on 150, 200,000 out of it? Why, why are Because it was never supposed to be there in the first place. But Neil... Our job is to look after ordinary people. Okay. Low and middle income. And I've listened to families who are working out and they're wondering why are they getting out of bed in the okay. morning. Got to go, Tommy. It's I can pick it up in the morning. Listen, I'm clean out of time. Appreciate it. Sinn Féin's Tommy Gould for Cork North Central. Over time, guys. Your lines will stay open. You can pick up the phone on 0818104106. Text 0868104106. Please do. If you have a story to share, email neil at redfm.ie. Over time. Have a good day. See you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast podcast.